0: Shabbat Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Virtual House Church. So glad you guys could join us today. Uh, let me just close something out here. If you are new to the Virtual House Church, we welcome you to go to our website, virtualhousechurch.com. Virtualhousechurch.com is a website that was originally uh, created back in 2012 and 13, and uh, certainly been added to ever since, and now we're in the process of giving it a complete overall uh, uh right from scratch basically Uh, so what I'm doing is I'm just updating each of these links as we go along and so we are now all the way down to exodus week 22 and 23 so this will close out the book of exodus today Uh, but I'll go back to the top here so if you click on this link for instance it takes you to our new website I'm enlarge this for you Uh, to the about us page it tells you a little bit about Sheila and I and uh, what we're about in a virtual house church store has our calendars. I need to get with Kevin and Amanda oh Boy, probably this week and see if they've got the new calendar out and also uh, uh, Juan Carlos will ask him uh, when we when I bring him on if he's got his calendar ready but for now these calendars are still good up and through uh, I believe April at least this one is uh, of this year on the Gregorian calendar. Uh, so you can click on that you can view a free PDF of, of that calendar if you want to order a printed copy well you might as well just wait because we're gonna have the new calendars coming out pretty soon here. Uh, this is the calendar also, as I mentioned by Juan Carlos, slightly different, a different way of reckoning it. Again, none of us claim the corner on truth. We're all just doing the best we can. We're studying these things out and coming to, in some cases, different conclusions. So I just want to present the stuff out there for you guys to test out for yourselves and pray about and see which one you think is correct. Um, the Torah Study Workbooks, uh, you can get them typically faster through Amazon uh, if you order them individually. Uh, if you want to save some money, you can order all of them uh as a as a set and get them for cheaper through us um, I will say that all of my orders are current they're out in the mail so if you have ordered and you haven't received it yet just be patient it's in the mail everything's been mailed out I'm all caught up if you'd like to get them in PDF format you can click on that right there and get them instantly in PDF and below that is the e-frame awakening DVD rom that contains all the resources that you see here including the tour study workbooks in PDF format then let's see if we keep going back up here. We have our statement of faith. This just describes what we believe here at the Virtual House Church. And coming out of Babylon is a really comprehensive web page with lots of information here. This is really for new people coming on board, but you know even people who have been here for a while, you could benefit from what's on this page. It took a lot of time to put together, so I would appreciate it if you took a lot of time going through it. <laughs> you know, lots of resources for you to consider, tons of videos of, of different things uh dealing with uh Paul oh I'm missing a two right here. I have to figure out what two these are and update them. Uh but issues of Paul, how do we keep the Sabbath, the feast, dietary laws, all that kind of stuff. Lots and lots of videos here. You can easily spend a month probably just on this page alone. Some really great books here, the Walk in the Light series by Todd D. Bennett as well for you to check out there. And then if we go back to the main menu here. Uh, Torah Fellowship. This is for people who are looking to have actual fellowship with people, not just virtually here online. And uh, this takes a few seconds to load. It's a plugin put together by 119 Ministries with all these dots all over the place. Let's go. Eh, we'll go to Africa today and see somebody way over here in Angolia. Angolia. Looks like one person out there. This person, Timotio Areo. Uh, So if you happen to live in that area, this person is probably lonely, looking for some fellowship. So you can contact that person through uh, just by clicking on the uh, blue tags there. It gives you the person's contact information. Many who come here to the Virtual House Church uh, think that what we're doing is wrong and they will try to use typically something that Paul wrote as a way to justify what they're saying. And so these are frequently asked questions and issues dealing with Paul. Uh, these are things that we all wrestled through at one point or another as we were coming into this walk and trying to understand these things and how it all works together. And as a result of myself doing that uh, process, uh, I've come to believe that you shouldn't spend any time at all reading one sentence that Paul wrote until you spent a significant amount of time first understanding what Paul read, studied, and likely had memorized. Once you do that, then you'll start to understand Paul a whole lot better, in my opinion. Uh, so these are various blogs that I've written throughout the years dealing with uh, frequently asked questions and comments and issues dealing with Paul so you can go through all that right there got a whole section just dedicated to the book of Galatians are we really foolish Galatians for trying to obey Yahuwah Uh, no Uh, you need to understand what's going on there and what Peter had to say about all this when he wrote to the Galatians so that page right there is for you now I just added a new page literally like 10 minutes ago um, called defending messiah so that's right here it's a brand new page uh it's a work in progress so uh you know if things aren't quite right there don't hold it against me i still need to go through it with a fine-tooth comb and uh put a lot more stuff in it Uh, there's a lot more i'll be adding to it in the days ahead but uh frequently discussed issues regarding the name like jesus has nothing to do with zeus for instance jesus is derived from Iesus, which itself was derived from yeshua through transliteration of the different languages that um, it, from hebrew to english that it went through uh, so i addressed that right there uh identity who is the church identity crisis there some blogs dealing with who the church is and i maintain that the church is israel that's why you have to be grafted into israel according to romans chapter 7 through 11 how you get um, legal citizenship uh, as, as in legal immigration into the commonwealth of Israel according to Ephesians 2 and how you're adopted in according to Galatians 3. Yeah, these are all Paul scriptures, by the way, <laughs> if you're paying attention, uh, who the church is, but these will uh, give you more detail on that. And uh, I need to add some stuff here why dispensation theology is incorrect. Uh, some of this stuff addresses that though right here, but um getting into who the bride is right here these are some videos that i did a while back the ephraim awakening redeeming the bride and redeeming the the bride the cup that redeemed the bride right here um and then i get into my take on who yeshua is and uh i'm not going to say this is thus saith the lord i do provide scriptures for why i believe what i believe but really what i'm and this may not even be exactly what juan carlos or jake or anybody else that comes on the show May believe, you know, I'll leave it up to them to to uh, describe their understanding. But this is my understanding. This is how I understand Yeshua, who he is, what he is, um, and so I address that right here. Uh, I don't really get into the Trinity much here. I, I refer you elsewhere, like to this page right here, uh, dealing with the issues of the Holy Spirit and how I understand uh, the Trinity as it pertains to Torah. And, but this page right here is primarily dedicated to who Yeshua is, what Yeshua is, and uh, how we should understand Yeshua so we don't fall into idolatry, which is one of the things many who are now dissing Yeshua are claiming that people who are still worshiping Yeshua are doing so uh, in idolatry. So I deal with the name of Yahuwah, uh, behold nail, behold the hand, and lay out my thesis for why I believe that Yeshua is the physical right hand of the Father, that he is literally the physical right hand of the Father, and These are several of the scriptures I use to, to justify that opinion. and um, He's also the Word that was made flesh. Uh, I need to add stuff in here about the Targums. I didn't put that in here yet, uh, but I'll put references in there about the Word of the Lord, how it, that phrase shows up over and over and over again throughout the Old Testament, over 200 times just in the Torah alone, showing that, in my opinion, that the interaction that Israel and Moses and you know the patriarchs and whatnot, the interactions that they had, with Yahuwah was actually with his right hand, Yeshua. Uh, and that it was Yeshua that married Israel at Mount Sinai and so forth. And uh, so I give a little bit of that here on this page and also reference a, a more in-depth blog that I wrote. The hand of Yahuwah is, is salvation, and salvation is the Hebrew word for Yeshua. Uh, and then some other resources here. <laughs> Atheist, anti-missionary. Jews and Yeshua Jesus dissing Torah folks be like, there ain't no historical proof for Yeshua or Jesus. I'm like, yeah, right. (laughs) Here are just just some of the many references that would prove the existence of Yeshua. But then there are are some documentaries that unfortunately some people in our community have fallen prey to. They started watching these documentaries and uh, started believing them, apparently, um, and have fallen away. So uh, I found some really good debunking the debunker videos. You have documentaries, and I put that loosely in quotes, documentary, uh, a documentary like uh, Zeitgeist. And, um, well, before I get into that, though, this was a interview that uh, I was on Jessica's show uh, with Adam from Parable of the Vineyard uh, earlier, uh, I think this was a Thursday, I think. Uh, so we talk about what's going on here and how this falling away is happening and what we believe needs to happen to try to save people from falling away. Something we've talked about certainly here on the Virtual House Church as well. But uh, that interview here is uh, available for you if you haven't seen it. And then I get into the zeitgeist here, right here. This was a really good uh, debunking that Chris White did of the zeitgeist nonsense. Um, I forget the guy who did this one here, but this one's also really good. Zeitgeist Refuted Final Cut, really good. So if you're uh, falling victim to... The nonsense in that movie, uh, trying to say that you know Jesus is just repackaged Horus and Mithra and other things. These do a really good job of addressing those arguments. And then the other one that people are watching that is way worse than the Zeitgeist in terms of scholarship, and I use that term loosely. Um, it's just ridiculous scholarship, just horrible. Uh, is the documentary Caesar's Messiah, just which is full of just logical inconsistencies and all kinds of problems but i got a whole playlist here put together for that so if you click i I don't know if it automatically advances if you click the video right here but if you click on this the top part right here uh, oh yeah caesar's messiah so it takes you and then you see this little icon right here if you click on that these are all the videos that i found that are really good and i'll add more to this as i find them uh, debunking the claims of Caesar's Messiah and um, zeitgeist and other documentaries of that sort so this page again is very much a work in progress I literally just threw this together a few minutes before we got on the air today uh, so I'll be at so, check back on here there'll be much more to come in the future. Hebrew calendars uh, just a page dedicated to that so if uh, if you want a quick reference to the Hebrew calendars you can go here these will be updated as soon as I have the new ones you'll see that the page populates a little differently with the new column on the right with a uh, window here that you can do uh, keyword searches for different words and it will look throughout the site and find those so if you're looking for instance for like Sabaton you can click on Sabaton in there and it'll bring up all the articles on that who uh, is love letter and Psalm 91 audio if you haven't heard these these will be a blessing to you I promise very uh, very cool resources there also Bible study tools that I use all the time are Bible, blueletterbible.org biblegateway.com bible.cc and bible.is also recommend the Aramaic English New Testament Bible right there support us if you appreciate what we're doing here and would like to see more of it and uh, help us to continue to do so you can click on that and for those of you who have done so already thank you so much for your support I can't say it enough we cannot do what we do without people like you so we are a listener supported ministry uh, we have no other form of income except for that and uh, any products that we are able to sell so uh, and then finally down the bottom are ministries that I enjoy Torah Family is Steve Mutria new to Torah Zach Bauer 119 Ministries Unlearn is Lex Meyer and Jim Staley teachings below that and then finally we get to this week's study this is always a quick reference page for each weekly study you can click on the player here Moses Assembled and listen to somebody read all the scriptures to you from the Torah the Prophets and the New Testament then we have the Parsha in 60 seconds Some ministry out there uh, has distilled the Torah portion down to 60 seconds Parsha being the Hebrew word for study and uh, as I understand it, this is a, a dual week where they pair up two different uh, tour portions together. Not sure who decides that, but I've just seen on many websites that that's what they do. So, uh, this week is Viacal and Pakuti, so we'll go over both of those. And then the live stream, which is what we're doing right now, will archive here and remain on this page uh, until next Friday, which is typically when I update the, this page. <coughs> Then if you click on the blue button there, it takes you to the primary study page. And if you're viewing this uh, <clears throat> on a mobile device, like a tablet or a cell phone or something, you can click on that, and the page just uh, reformats for like a tablet. It'll look like that or a phone like that. So it's a lot more user friendly on mobile devices. Uh, you can click on that if you're on the computer. Just view it like we're doing here. These are the scriptures. It takes you to biblegateway.com. Again, there's the player. Let's go ahead and play the in CC seconds and we'll jump in here.
1: Shalom and welcome to Parshon 60 Seconds. Today's portion is from Exodus 35:1 through It is called Vayakhel, which means, and he assembled. The Israelites are prepping to build the tabernacle. Moses reminds them of God's commandment to keep the Sabbath of complete rest. Gifts of materials from those whose hearts so moved them were collected. Gold, silver, copper, colored yarn, fine linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins, acacia wood, olive oil, spices, lapis lazuli, and other precious stones were gathered. Skilled workers were invited to make the tabernacle, its furniture, and the priest's gear. Gifts were brought. Betzalel and Aholib were God-gifted craftsmen and were charged to construct the tabernacle. The Israelites gave generously to the collection. The skilled workers began their projects. They made the tabernacle's boards, silver sockets, bars of acacia wood, rings of gold, veiled pillars of acacia wood, screen for the door, and sockets of brass. Betzalel made the ark, cover and table, the menorah and incense altar, and the altar of sacrifice, laver and enclosure for the tabernacle. And that is via Kell in 60 seconds.
0: Uh he was saying Batsala, I I always heard of Betzalo, uh right there. Uh, so that's the first part of this, uh Via Cal and then Pakuti.
1: Shalom and welcome to Parsha in 60 Seconds. Today's portion is from Exodus 38 21 through 40 38. It is called Pikuday, which means amounts of. Aaron's son Ithamar oversaw the budget of the tabernacle. Portions of gold, silver, and copper were used by skilled workers. A silver half shackle tax was taken by each man 20 years and older. The skilled workers made the priests vestments, ephod, and breastpiece, just as God had commanded Moses. They made the robe, the tunic of fine linen, and the frontlet inscribed Holy to the Lord, just as God also commanded. They brought the tabernacle and all its furnishings to Moses, and he blessed them. God told Moses to set up the tabernacle, and Moses did just as God had commanded him. Moses completed the work, and the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and God's presence filled the tabernacle. When the cloud lifted from the tabernacle, the Israelites would set out, and when the cloud did not lift, they would not set out, and God's cloud rested over the tabernacle by day, and fire would appear in it by night. This concludes the book of Exodus. Join us next week as we wander into the exciting and completely not boring book of Leviticus, and that is Piku'day in 60 seconds. Okay,
0: I guess I pronounced it wrong. The exciting and totally not boring Book of Leviticus. Uh, I appreciate that. You know, it's kind of funny because I always, whenever I think about going into the Book of Leviticus, I kind of start feeling that way myself, like, oh boy, here we go, Book of Leviticus. But then every time once we're in it, I'm like, wow, Book of Leviticus, it's awesome. <laughs> so I can appreciate what it said there. Uh, and then we below that we have the studies from previous years 2013, 14, 2017 Steve Mutria subbed for me and then um, they only did one part right there, it was via Cal and then I guess the following week uh, um, with Patricia Hall I did uh, kind of both of them together right there and then, of course we have this week right now we're doing today and studies done by The Way Biblical Fellowship uh, Charlie and JP right here and commentaries by Ardell again really uh, can't stress this enough these are great commentaries click on the links right there print them download them study them put them in a notebook binder you'll be glad you did blogs that I uh, and notes from the past I guess did something here on the Sabaton, uh, Sabbath some other notes these are all notes from previous years broadcasts. looks like we talked about the rapture at some point so this was the quest for truth episodes on that Andy Hoy's model You know, um, if you can see through the model, you see that, well, I got pictures of the tabernacle here. Uh, This is a traditional view of the tabernacle. Note, they don't have any, there's no provision for a hole in the fabric for the smoke to leave. Now, you see all these pictures with smoke coming up, you know, out of it, like they show right here. You can click on this for a larger version. Smoke coming out, there's no hole for the smoke to come out. Uh, So, I mean, if it was actually the way it's depicted, uh this place would be full of smoke <laughs> you know as opposed to andy's model uh that has plenty of room for smoke smoke to come out uh sort of like a teepee or, or like a yurt uh that was just something that just caught my attention just now but these are various pictures and stuff from the uh, previous studies we've done on that and this is from google earth this is the area on the earth that they were when they were doing all these things that we're reading about in this week's tour portion All right, so uh, that's it for the administrative side of things here. Let's go ahead and get started, and welcome back to the Virtual House Church, Jake Grant and Juan Carlos. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Hey, guys. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Yeah, so I've done way too much talking here, 20 minutes already. Uh, Sorry about that, but I did want to address the uh, issue of the Messiah and um, the fact that I I really felt a need to create a whole section on the website that's specifically dedicated to defending Messiah. So uh, if either of you guys have any resources, print or video or otherwise, that you think would be valuable, uh, you know, if if you could send them to me, that would be great, uh, Juan Carlos or Jake. Um, and quite frankly anybody else in the audience, although I, it, I don't always read all the comments so f- you know, forgive me if I miss it, but I'm, I'm gonna do the best I can to try to get as many resources in here as possible to make this like a, a really good go-to page for people to um, study for themselves.
2: Sure, Rob, I, I think uh, you know we discussed a bit uh, last week on, on the point on this point and I think it's important to, to bring uh, everything we have in our hands defend uh, Mashiach. So yeah, you can count on it.
0: Yeah, awesome. All right. Well, uh, while I have you up on the screen, Juan Carlos, why don't we just go ahead and jump in, and uh, you can share with us your thoughts on this week's tour portion.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Actually, I think uh, you know we are we are finalizing the, the Book of Exodus, Shemot, in in Hebrew, and uh, you know there are there are many many topics and many interesting points to to share it and and discuss so just to start start with uh, you know for me caught the the attention starting in the chapter 35 of exodus in the verse 1 and 3. even before before starting the whole construction of the tabernacle uh, there was something to uh, reinforce and what was that something so important to reinforce it was the shabbat yeah and it says the following, And Moshe assembled all the congregation of the children of Israel and said to them, there are the words which Yahuwah has commanded you to do. Work is done for six days, but on the seventh day it shall be set apart to you, a Shabbat of rest to Yahuwah. Anyone doing work on it, it's put to death. Do not kindle a fire in any of your dwellings on the Shabbat day. So, you know, every time that I read this, I always uh, remember that the, the whole purpose in the way that I understand understand this verse. The whole purpose, it was to, from Yahuwah through Moshe, to remember the people that even in the construction of the tabernacle, they needed to keep the Shabbat. The, the work to be done in the tabernacle was so important, but there was something mm. even more important than that, is uh, to keep the Shabbat because the Shabbat is a key, is assigned to, to to his people.
0: I like that, that that's and, good, because even though they're doing his work, Uh, You know, this was a lot of work. I mean, especially for like Bezalel and uh, I think it's a the other guy. Uh, You know, I mean, they have to like they're going to be hammering out, you know, metal. They're going to be you know carving out wood, uh, sawing down stuff, sewing. That's a lot of physical labor, and of course, people bringing the materials, carrying the wood, and you know, the gold and everything. That would have been a significant amount of work, and he's uh, telling them no you're still going to rest, even though you're building my house.
2: Exactly. And you know, the, the, something to keep in mind regarding the same, you know, in this case it was about the tabernacle, but there's an additional passage in the, in the previous chapter, in the chapter 34, verse 21, that it says the following. In six days you work, but on the seventh day you rest. In plowing time and in harvest you rest. And you know during during harvest time and during for for the people who knows the, uh, about the work in the land uh, when the time comes in order to do the harvest you need to do it fast or when the time comes in order to to, to see uh, the land you need to do it fast because there are a specific timing but even even in that scenario yahua is keeping us uh, in our mind that uh, no matter the urgency there's something more important that is keeping the Shabbat. So, so mm. you know, we have having the daily labors and the daily work and the daily activities we do. And also even in the work of doing the tabernacle that Shabbat is so important. Mm. Um, the second point that uh, for, for me is is, is really interesting and, and it came to reinforce something we discussed in a previous uh, portion in a, in a previous parasha. It's about the Terumah, it's about the contribution. Mm. And uh, we see here uh, how, how the people of Yehudah brought the contribution to build the tabernacle. But uh, th- there's something so important that, uh, that I want to, to highlight. And is what is written in the verse uh, 4 to 9 of the chapter 35 of Exodus. And, and it's, it's, it's the way that we need to do, uh, give the Terumah, give the contribution to Yahuwah. And I spoke about this in the, when Jake and I did the, the, the virtual house church a few weeks ago, but I want to reinforce the idea because we see it clearly here. And I also want to connect with the two passages in the B'rit in the New Testament. So it says the following in the verse four. And Moshe spoke to all the, all the congregation of the children of Israel saying, this is the word which Yahuwah commanded, saying, Take from among you a contribution, Ateruma, to Yahuwah. Everyone whose heart so moves him, let him bring a, bring it as a contribution, Ateruma, to Yahuwah. Gold and silver and, and copper, and blue and purple and scarlet material, and fine linen and gold hair, and ram skins, dyed red, and fine leather and cashew wood. And all for the lights and spices, for the anointing oil, and for the sweet incense and uh, you know it continued with other materials in the verse nine but what the point i wanted to highlight here is that for those is written here everyone whose heart so moves him so so what yahua is telling us that every time that we do a contribution for the service of the of of yahua the service of the kingdom of yahua we need to do it from the heart if it's not from the heart it's only from the lips it doesn't it doesn't work it's useless you know, it, it, from a physical point of view, in, in, in a physical realm, maybe we can we can use it. But, you know, in the eyes of Yehua, it's, it's useless, completely useless. It, it, you know, we need to do it from the heart, we need to do it in truth, and we need to do it in Ruach. And actually, this point is being reinforced again in the verse 20 and 21. And it says, and all the congregation of the children of Israel withdrew from the presence of Moshe, and everyone whose heart lifted him up. And everyone, everyone whose spirit moved him came, and they brought the contribution to Yahuwah to the work of the Ten of Appointment, the tabernacle, and for all its service and for the set of our garments. So it's so important to do all of this from the heart that uh, you know, uh, Yahushua himself teaches an important lesson. And, and we see this in, in the book of Mark, chapter 12, And you know, this is, this is really, really important because uh, we can connect what it means to give from the heart, to provide the Terumah to Yahuwah from the heart. And this is in the, in the book of Mark chapter 12, verse 41 to 40, uh, 44. And it says the following is, this is about the widow offering. And sitting opposite the treasury, he saw how the people put copper into the treasury. Many rich ones put in much and a poor widow came and threw into small copper coins, which uh, amount to a cent. And calling near his thought ones, he said to them, Truly I said to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those putting into the treasury, hmm. for they all put in out of their excess excess, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had, her entire livelihood. So so what, what Yahushua is talking about here is exactly what we see in this portion. You know, that the widow, in that case, she gave everything. And what it means that she gave everything that she, she had, because she did it from the heart. Everyone else, they were providing the terumah. We don't know if they were doing it from the heart. But the only fact that we see the widow, and this is what Yahushua knew on that point, he knew that. She was doing it from the heart in the same way that we see the instruction here that the teruma we need to bring it from the heart and and you know this uh, this week uh, i saw a passage in the in the scripture that it caught my attention and it's totally connected to to what we are discussing here and this is in the book of colossians i want to share with you as well this is in the chapter 3 of colossians verse 23 to 24. Just to reinforce the idea that we need to everything we do, we need to do it from the heart. And it says the following and whatever you do, do it heartily, as to the master, not to men, knowing that from the master you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the master, Mashiach, you serve. So, Paul here, Shaul in Hebrew, he was reinforcing the same concept that we see in this portion that everything we do in our daily activities, because it, 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 it has not to be only about the service to Yahuwah. It has to be in every activity, in everything we do, we need to do it from the heart, we need to do it for the master, we need to do it for Yahuwah Elohim. So, you know, it was so, so, so nice to see, because when we, we continue in the portion, uh, uh, reading the, the portion, the next chapter, we see what was the result of the people given to Yahuwah from the heart. Mm -hmm. And we see this in the book of Shemot, chapter 36, verse three to six. And this was the result of people being moved by the Ruach Ruach HaKodesh in order to bring this to to the construction of the tabernacle. And it says the following, and they received, who received this, if you will read in context, is the people that were appointed to build the tabernacle they received, uh, they, they, they are today here in, the, in, the, in this portion. And it says, And they received from Moshe all the contribution, all the terumah with the children, which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of making the set apart our place. By they still brought to him voluntary offering every morning. So, so they continue bringing more and more and more. And it says the fourth, So all the craftsmen who were doing all the work of the set apart place came, each from the work he was doing. And they spoke to Moshe saying, the people bring much more than enough for the service of the work, which Yahuwah commanded us to do. Then Moshe commanded and they sent this word throughout the camp saying, let neither man nor woman do any more work for the contribution of the set of our place. And the people were withheld from being bringing. So, you know, we, mm-hmm. see, we see the results. So sometimes so, so difficult to, to bring this contribution, to bring this Terumah to Yahuwah. Uh, but you know we need to do every time we need to do it from the heart because we need to do it for Yahuwah, like we have the examples here in the portion
0: yeah this particular one has always stood out to me because when have you ever ever in your lifetime heard of a ministry that is so well equipped that they are begging people to stop giving <laughs> you know, i have never in my life at all the times i've been involved with missions and mission being a missionary myself seen uh, a, a church or a missionary or uh, you know some ministry saying, "Whoa, please stop giving, please stop giving. We have more than enough to accomplish the work that we've been called to do." Unfortunately, that doesn't happen the, these days. Um, and when I was in the in, in full-time mission work, I found that it is literally a worldwide statistic that only four percent of the church finances the whole thing. Four percent. Finance is the whole thing, uh, and that means that the the other ninety six percent aren't giving like like we see here from their heart, you know. Um, oh, oh, that we could do that because if the entire body would would get together with a heart to advance the kingdom, how much more could we actually accomplish? You know, this is the thing that you know as a filmmaker myself that I'm always frustrated with. I'm like, man, you just like Hollywood. Anybody in the world says, I want to make a $150 million movie. Cool. Boom. There's $150 million. They go make a movie. Christian says, I want to make a movie. (laughs) They are lucky if they scrape together a million dollars. Lucky. You know, Uh, this is where we're missing it. It's like we need to get back to what we see here. It's like whatever... People uh, are trying to do today who are believers to advance the kingdom. We, as a collective body, need to support it with our whole heart. We either need to be doing it ourselves or supporting those who are. Not everybody can do it. You know, you, maybe you don't have the ability to do whatever whatever that it is. You know, but you certainly have the ability to support it. You know, even if it's and I, I don't want to say the word just as it and to demean it, but even if it's just praying, you need to be doing that. You know, prayer prayer is an enormous uh, 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 support that we need, you know, uh, on a continual basis, prayer support. But everyone who's in ministry also needs financial support. Even there in the wilderness, they needed it. But in this example, they had so much of it that the workers actually had to stop working, go to Moses and say, "Uh, dude, can you, like, tell them to stop giving? Wow, if that could be the case today. Yeah.
2: No, that's amazing, Rob. Actually, you know, this, as I said, is a result of when we do it from the heart. Uh, and, and you know, that I touched on uh, this point also when we were discussing about the Teruma portion a few weeks ago, that uh, sometimes we, we understand this to be a, a financial support only. Mm-hmm. But as you said, Rolf, uh, not everybody is in the place to to support financially. And and what we see in, even in this portion, and this is the amazing part, that uh, when when Yahweh is talking about the contribution, he's not talking about the money only. Mm-hmm. He's talking about uh, different different aspects. And we see here that uh, when we read in context the chapter 35 from verse 22 to to 29, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read it because there are too many many verses. We see that uh, different people brought different kind of offerings uh, according to the the, the the ability they had to to bring to the to the construction of the tabernacle but it was not only uh, goods that they brought they were also you know i'm just going to list some some of the the, the 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 contribution they they provided that day back then they contributed with time Mm -hmm. you know we see two people here that were appointed to be leading the construction of the tabernacle. yeah the first thing that they 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 were contributing was with time we see also women contributing with the work of their hands you know uh, we see uh, people bringing any type of material any type of goods so so uh, i I was making this question to to us a few weeks ago we need to analyze to ourselves, what is our current Terumah? What is our current contribution for the Kingdom of Yahuwah? Are we contributing with time? Are we contributing with uh, with goods, with the financials? Are we contributing with the with the work of our hands? Are we contributing in order to support another brother or sister that maybe is going through a bad moment? You know, I think it's important. We see here only about the tabernacle and actually i will touch uh, uh, in a minute something that is really important related to the tabernacle and the assembly but uh, it's important that we analyze what is our today it's not only financially it could be anything that is for the master and uh, that is going to serve the kingdom of yahuwah the establishment of the kingdom of yahuwah on earth and the support of the assembly. So, you know, and I want to bring two examples that uh, we see clearly again in the brief HaRasha. If we go to the book of Luke, chapter eight, verse one and three, it says the following. And it came to be afterward that he went, who is he it is Yahushua HaMashiach. He went through every city and village Proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of Elohim, the reign of Elohim, and the twelve were with him, and certain women who were healed of wicked spirits and sicknesses, Miriam called from Magdala, out of whom had come seven demons, and Yehuja and Johanna, the wife of Cusa, manager of uh, Herod's, and Shoshana, and many others who provided for him from their resources. Uh, yeah. So we see here. Women supporting Mm. the ministry of Yahushua HaMashiach, Mm. providing from her own resources. Mm. So we see here a clear example of what is the Terumah uh, to Yahuwah doing it from the heart. And a second example that is not a financial thing, uh, we see in the book of Acts. And and this is really amazing because it's connected to the the, the next point I want to talk. Uh, This is in the chapter six from verse one to verse four. And it says the following. And in those days, when the taught ones were increasing, there arose a grumbling against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, because their widows were overlooked in the daily serving. So the 12 summoned the group of the taught ones and said, it is not pleasing for us to leave the word of Elohim and serve tables. Therefore, brothers seek out from among you seven men who are known to be filled with a set-apart spirit, with the Ruach HaKodesh and wisdom, whom we shall appoint for this duty, but we shall give ourselves continually to prayer, to serve in the word." So we see here that there was a, a kind of dispute and uh, you know the, the, the 12 disciples, they were serving the tables. But, you know, there was so, in, so much increase on the, on the assembly of Yahuwah back then, that it was a, a heavy duty for them. And they were not taking care of the word of Elohim in order to study and preaching the word of Elohim. So they decided to select seven men. And what was the terumah of those seven men? The terumah was to serve the tables. Mm. So So they were contributing with their time. So so this is also a teruma. And what's the, the, the nice part here, and it's connected to the next point that I wanted to talk, is uh, the, the description of those seven people. It says in the verse three, uh, seek out from among you seven men who are known to be filled with the Ruach HaKodesh and in wisdom. So, you know, even to serve the table, they yeah. were looking for people being filled by the Ruach HaKodesh and in wisdom. And what is the nice connection with this portion It's exactly what we see in the chapter 35, we go back to Exodus, in the verse 30 to to 35. And it says the following, When a said to the children of Israel, See, Yahuwah has called by name Betzalel Ben-Uri, Ben-Hur, son of Hur, of the tribe of Yehuda. And he has filled him with Ruach of Elohim, in wisdom, and in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all work make designs to work in gold and in silver and in bronze and in cutting of stones for setting and in carving wood and to work in all workmanship of design and he has put in his heart the ability to teach in him and in holy of ben of Ahisamak of the tribe of dan uh, he has uh, filled them with the skill to do all the work so so we see here that yahua appointed two men and he filled them with the ruach Hakodesh. Mm-hmm. With what purpose? In order to give them the ability to do the work. So, so you know, this is so so important because uh, we see the same connection with the, the seven uh, seven people that were selected by the Apostle in order to serve the, 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 the tables, that they needed to be filled with the Ruach HaKodesh and also with wisdom. And we see the same here with these two two guys. Uh, that we need, to, we need to understand that sometimes we believe that we don't know uh, how to do things. And for sure, we cannot understand everything, we can know everything. So, so, but we see here that knowledge and ability, it comes directly from the Father. You know, all wisdom, all understanding and all knowledge. And it's important because there are three words, it doesn't mean that they are synonymous. There are three, three different characteristics that is important for every, every of us to understand and study what is the difference between the three of them but he is the one providing wisdom. He is the one providing understanding and knowledge in order to do any kind of work. And even he's giving us the ability to teach. So, you know, if sometimes we are lacking wisdom and you know, Yaakov, James, in his book, he's talking about that. And I, I want to read it to you in the chapter one, verse five of James, Yaakov in Hebrew. It says the following if any of you lacks wisdom lacks wisdom let him ask of elohim who gives to all generously and without reproach and it shall be given to him so so you know we see the connection with the different passages of the scripture that yahuwah is the provider of wisdom we see that the amazing story of eshulomo when he was selected to be king and you know the one thing that he asked and he prayed to yahuwah he asked for wisdom in order to lead the people and you know it was so pleasant to the eyes of yahuwah that shlomo solomon was asking for wisdom that he provided too much wisdom a lot of wisdom to him he is been known Yishlomo to be the wiser man on earth and even he provided everything that he needed and he didn't ask for so so you know this is so important because every time even in our daily day-to-day activities when we lack a understanding to do something We need to ask Yahuwah, and He is going to lead us. I can can tell you multiple examples in in, in my work in in the past, that I I, I didn't have the ability, I didn't have the knowledge on how to do things. And in prayers, Yahuwah, without me knowing, He was guiding me on how to do things. This is the way that Yahuwah is acting uh, on us. Um, One additional thing, and and, you know, I I mentioned this uh, previously, that uh, reading the chapter 37 and 38 you know it's a full description of the construction of all the tabernacle the construction of all the utensils the construction of the ark and everything else and um, and, and how they build this and they brought it brought everything to moshe and uh, you know it caught my attention that the uh, the way that they were doing this somehow related to something that Paul shaul was talking about that how the assembly needs to be built. Hmm. you know we see that everything everything was built piece by piece and everything was erected uh, one one at a time and we see an, an important and nice description of this in the word of uh, Paul regarding the assembly I want to, to share with you so let's go to the book of Ephesians. chapter 2 verse 13 to 22. i want to read to you guys and i'm going to put focus in three specific verses in the verse 20 21 and 22. and it says the following but now in yahushua hamashiach you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of the messiah for he is our peace who has made both one and having broken down the partition of the barrier, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, the Torah of the commands in dogma, so as to create in himself one renewed man from the two. And, and let me stop here. He's talking about two. Who are the two? Are the two houses of Israel? Mm-hmm. Are the house of Yahuwah and the house of Israel? Mm-hmm. These are the two that he is basically bringing together in order to make peace through him. So let's continue. That's making peace. Verse 16. And to completely restore to favor both of them and to Elohim in one body through the stake, having destroyed the enmity by it. And having come, he he brought us good news, peace to you who were far off, and peace to those near. Again, who were the one far off? The house of Israel, who was the one near? The house of Yehuda. Verse 18, because through him we both have access to the Father by one Ruach, by one spirit. So then you are no longer strangers stranger and foreigners, but fellow citizens of the set-apart ones and members of the household of Elohim. And listen to this. Having been built upon the foundation of the Emissaries and Prophets, Yahushua HaMashiach himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building being joined together grows into a set-apart dwelling place in Yahuwah in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of Elohim in the spirit. So what Shaul is doing here is so so important because he's comparing the body of Yahushua, the assembly, he's comparing it to the tabernacle. So so he say, he's saying that the, with assembly, like the tabernacle, we are being built upon the foundation. And what is the foundation? The foundation of the prophets, the foundation of the emissaries, but the most important foundation is the cornerstone. The chief cornerstone is that Yahushua HaMashiach. And, 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 and for me, it's nice in the way that it's written here in this version, in the verse 21, because it said, in whom all the building, and we see the description and that is in the chapter 37 and 38, how everything was uh, connected together in order to build the, the tabernacle, is the same description here. Uh, whom all the building being joined together grows, into a set-apart dwelling place in Yahuwah. And and, and this is not uh, the only thing. If we go to the same book in the chapter four, uh, verse 11 and 16, talking about Yahushua HaMashiach, he says, and he himself gave some as emissaries. And you know, this is also uh, interesting because it's about uh, our purpose and what we can, how we can contribute we are different parts of the body, so, so not all of us are gonna do the same. We are contributing to Yahuwah in different aspects. And we see here clearly in this portion, it says, and he himself gave some as emissaries and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as shepherds and teachers for the perfecting of the set apart ones to the work of service, to a building up of the body of the Messiah until we all come to the unity of the belief and of the knowledge of the Son of Elohim, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the completeness of Messiah. So we see what is the foundation. It's repeating what is written in the chapter two. It's basically the foundation from the prophets, the emissaries. The foundation that we see here, let me take the scripture, is what we see in this amazing book. This is the foundation in order to be built up as the dwelling place that we see in this description, in in this portion, in order to be one in order to come to the unity. If we continue in the the verse uh, uh, 14, let me repeat it. So that we should no longer be children, tossed and borne about by every wind of teaching, by the trickery of men, in cleverness and to the craftiness of leading astray. But maintaining the truth in love, we grow up in all respects into him who is the head, Messiah. Uh, from whom the entire body, and this is also an important description in the same way that we see the tabernacle being joined together. Uh, from whom the entire body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the working by which each part does uh, its share, cause growth of body for the building up of itself in love. So, so yeah, just to summarize, we see the construction of the tabernacle How everything was uh, fabricated, everything was made, how everything was joined together. And we see this amazing description in the words of Paul, in the words of Shaul, describing and basically doing the parallel with assembly. How the assembly is a a parallel of the tabernacle. We, we, the body of Mashiach, are the tabernacle of Yahuwah in in these moments. So we need to get joined together and who is the one joining together is yahushua hamashiach nobody else yahushua hamashiach is the one joining us together in order to be built up in order to be erected in the same way that the tabernacle was erected in this portion but it's not only that how we are going to be built up with the teachings, with the instructions with the Torah of Yahuwah, with the Nevi'imsk with the Talmudians, with the instruction and the teachings of Yahushua HaMashiach, in order to grow, in order not to be babies, babies only, in order to grow up and to become mature children. So, you know, this is so important to, to, to keep in mind, guys, to remember and to, to see these parallels. I have more points to, to, to talk about the, the next, uh, the next uh, portion. But, uh, you know, I think uh, it would be nice to do and stop maybe and let Jake to, to share the the points he has as well.
0: Okay, sounds good to me. Jake, you're up.
3: All right, yeah. Uh, you know, Juan, sometimes I, I start to realize what you're talking about when you say, uh, you know, kind of God's spirit leads us uh, and we're doing these studies separately, right? And then, you know, just your area of focus Gloved my area of focus in a really good way, even though it wasn't the same exact you know thing. And it's just very cool to see it happen. Um, and uh, so you know, my whole focus of this tour portion was in regards to uh, also the willing heart. Um, and I wanted to bring something out uh, starting in, in Exodus thirty-five verse five. And we're going to focus in on a Hebrew word here. And there's something within this Hebrew word that reveals uh, almost a like a really Interesting concept, um, and uh, let me let me uh, just make sure uh, I got my verse up ready here. Um, but uh, but this this whole concept of of the wise-hearted and and the people that um, are willing uh, is a really important concept um, because uh, I'm going to read some uh, some parables uh, from the New Testament to kind of get us kick started here, and it goes along with some of the things you were talking about, and I'm going to start here in uh, um, Matthew 25, uh, verses 14 through 30, which is the parable of the talents, okay? Now, back then, of course, talents were uh, a monetary, you know, measurement. But it's funny that today, you know, our English word, talent, uh, also can apply to our abilities and our God-given gifts that we have innately... You know, a propensity towards doing what you know, if you're a musician or you're an artist or you have whatever skill or talent. And I'm just going to go ahead and read through. Um, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, and to another one, uh, another two, to another one, uh, to another one, (laughs) to each according to his ability. Then he went away. Five talents, here I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much, even into the joy of your master. And he also had the two talents come forward, saying, Master, you delivered me two talents, here I have made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was mine own, with interest." So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who ha- has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And, you know, just to, just to kind of focus in on this and, and uh, in a way that it can apply, uh, you know, it's not all about monetary gifts it's not all about donating you know your tithe money or uh it's it's also about the the abilities that god has given you that you can then go and use for the kingdom of heaven right and so what we see here in this tour portion is that all these people were filled with a willing heart and 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 those who were wise-hearted among them start to begin the work of this tabernacle they start to do things it wasn't just those who donated It was also those that did, Um, and so you know to kind of make a a parallel with some of the things that Juan was talking about is, you know, so often you know people are like, well, you know, I believe I want to be involved, um, but I don't know how I fit in, and and you know it doesn't always have to just be this monetary. Oh, I'll donate so you guys can do it, but instead think of it as the talents that God has given you. You can also donate those. So to speak, to the kingdom of heaven, and um, what that allows, uh, you know, the body of Christ to do is, you know, people bring all these abilities and these talents, and they they bind them together for a purpose of bringing more people into the kingdom of heaven, and uh, and it's just an amazing thing when you have all these people willing to do something, to have a willing heart to just participate and to you know work towards building up the kingdom of heaven. And uh, and so this uh, this brings me to uh, what I wanted to bring out in this verse, um, which is uh, Exodus 35, 5. And I'm going to get into one of the words that's popped out into this verse and, and how it actually kind of ties to an identity as well as a desire, a willingness. And so um, Exodus 35, 5 says, take from among you contributions to the Lord. Whoever is generous, of a generous heart, let him bring Yahuwah's contribution, gold, silver, and bronze. And so um, I went ahead and I, I looked up this uh, this word. Um, I'm pulling up my blue letter Bible here, guys. If you haven't yet <laughs> dived into uh, that particular uh, tool, it is so, so awesome to use to uh, um, to be able to do these studies. But um let me uh get this up real quick for you guys. And so the word in Exodus thirty five, verse five, um, of a willing, a willing heart, you know, heart in the Hebrew is Strong's H eight twenty, uh Leb, and of a willing in this verse is Nadib, which is Strong's H five oh eighty one. And um this word Nadib, yes, in this um, particular instance, uh, refers to willingness and, uh, you know, somebody who's being generous, but whenever you do a word search, it's interesting that this same word of willingness, a willing heart is also used, uh, to refer to somebody of, uh, nobility or of a, a princely rank, a prince, right? And, uh, and, you know, the, just a side note here, we, we know that, um, you know, one of the interesting things about the command of Zitzitz, uh, that they would to have that thread of blue on the four corners of their garment, is that whenever foreigners would come to their nation, they would see the plumber and the, the baker and all these people wearing the colors of royalty. And, uh, and this also ties into the whole premise that Yah had intended us to be a nation of kings and priests a nation of royalty. And that's also this this gift that the Messiah has given us is that we can be grafted in to become fellow heirs of the covenants and promises, that we too can become a nation of kings and priests even in today's world. Um, and so to dive into this term of willingness in this verse um, and how you know it kind of helps uh, reveal this identity that is gained through uh, uh, adhering and obeying the word of God um, is uh, we can kind of uh, look at some other verses that um, this term nadib is used, and there's some really interesting ones. Let me just scroll down here. Um, uh, Psalm fifty-one twelve says, "Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free." In this verse, it uses the word free instead of willing spirit, um, but it, it's. It's our willingness and our desire to obey, um, not because we have to, but because we want to. Which really, this whole Torah portion kind of characterizes. You know, it's 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 all the people that they they came and gave and gave and gave till the point where they go, hold up, we have way too much. We don't need any more, <laughs> right? There's too much. There's too much. Um, but it's because they they desired to give. And it was based out of this uh, this willingness um, to give out of the abundance of the heart, uh, not because you have to, but because you want to. And if this same thing can be applied to um, uh, not only just our obedience, our willingness to obey and keep the commandments of the Most High, but also our willingness to use the talents and abilities and and gifts that God has given us and to lay those down, you know, there's a verse that says, uh, in Matthew six thirty, uh, verse 33, it says, But if God so clothes the grass grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Uh, therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, and what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You know, he feeds the birds of the air. They don't think to the next day, what are we going to eat? But instead, you know, if we seek, he, he's making promises here. This is the words of the Messiah, right? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Man, that's that's amazing. That's, that's, uh, that's groundbreaking stuff. And if we can just learn to apply that in our spiritual walk, wow, just 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 think of the amazing things that that can come. You know, if all 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 these people um, that desire to follow with their whole heart, just like in this example with um, our Torah portion, were desi- brought forth their talents and abilities and gifts and treasures and used them for the kingdom of heaven. Man, what could be accomplished? It's very exciting um, so, you know, this, this ties into um, uh, another uh, a parable that I wanted to read. I, um, uh, one moment here. And, and this ties also into this premise of willingness. Um, and un- unfortunately, um, the people here in this parable that were supposed to be the willing ones actually ended up not being willing. And it was actually those who were in the highways and byways that actually ended up getting into the wedding feast. And this is in Matthew 22. It's the parable of the wedding banquet. And Yahushua spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited, I've prepared my dinner. My oxen, my fatted cattle have been butchered and everything's ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off. They were unwilling. They they didn't care. One to his field, another to his business. You know, they were, what, they were seeking after, you know, the things of this world, not putting first the kingdom of heaven, right? To his business. You know, the rest seized his servants and mistreated them and killed them. And the king was enraged and sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the streets' corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servant went out into the street and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But the, when the king came to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. And he asked, How did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for as many as in, are invited, but few are chosen. You know, the, the first people invited the first person, people invited in this parable, uh, it calls them the, um, he sent to his servants and, um, and they weren't well, they weren't willing, um, bottom line. <laughs> and, you know, this is, uh, you know, at the very end of the book, Re- book of Revelation, right? Um, Revelation 22, 17 says, And the spirit and the bride say, come, and let him that heareth say, come, and let him that is a thirst come. And whoever will, let him take the water of life freely. And, you know, whenever it comes to the call to serve the kingdom of heaven, um, are you willing? You know, constantly we have to ask ourselves that question. Am I willing to do you know anything at all anything it takes to put the kingdom of heaven first and then all the things that you're worried about all the things that you're you know you're playing the monkey game right you're you're running the hamster wheel it there's a promise in here that th- all those things that you need you know to feed yourself the next day will be added unto you if you would simply put that kingdom of heaven first um and so this is you know really interesting um you know with this tour portion every tour portion that i come that you know we see these um uh the the premise of the the people who had the full heart and they came and brought their gifts to the building of the tabernacle um it, it really just parallels in my own mind how we need to treat our righteousness and and the things that we do to the kingdom of heaven it it's out of an abundance of the heart you know that you know we should be doing these things and you know whenever you are keeping a commandment because you're willing or you're doing uh you know a work because you you've been filled so much that it pours out of you and you want to start giving into other places um that's how the king of heaven can multiply um so anyways that was just the quick rundown and and that word nadib um that i was pointing out it's just fascinating that this term "willingness" is also uh, likened to a princely status, a priesthood, right? A, 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 a nobility person, um, and um, and how you know if you guys uh, jump into Blue Letter Bible, there's many, many other verses there that uh, uh, likens this willing term Nadib, to uh nobility and you know we if we are to be a king of kingdom of kings and priests, right? How cool uh that part of that nobility nature that we get, right, is through the willing heart to serve uh the most high. So that was my little thing there, guys.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, I had my microphone muted there. Yeah, good stuff, man. Awesome. Uh Juan Carlos, I know you said you had some more you wanted to uh uh, talk about and uh, any comments you might have on what Jake shared
2: no the the only comment I have is, is exactly what Jake said when he started it's amazing how how the Ru is, is leading us in in connecting dots even if we we don't prepare these things uh, uh, we don't align nothing to the beginning we just came and just to to, let, to tell everybody we today we joined uh, two minutes before the, the broadcast. Yeah. So, so we're not uh, preparing anything. It's just uh, everything that we do it alone with the Ruach, and we just find out during the broadcast live that we we have been guided in order to share same things. Mm. So, so that's amazing. Yeah. So you know, even even Jake, you you mentioned something t- during your your comment that um, we are being t- brought to be a priest to, you, to Yahuwah. And, uh, you know, in the, in the next portion, in Pecu is the last portion of uh, the book of Exodus, there are f- different aspects that I wanted to, to, to share. And just to start off, uh, you know, for those of us that uh, we come from uh, Christianity, I think uh, we always heard about the, about the new garments that we need to have white garments, and it was part of a, what we need to look for is what we are gonna receive as part of the kingdom of Yahuwah. And I think all of us, we, we, we hear about this, but uh, it, without understanding the foundation, and the foundation is again, the Torah of Yahuwah is the scripture, uh, it's very difficult to understand the concept. What is those new garments? What are the white garments? That in the Blikasha in the New Testament is talking about. So, so I, I want to try to connect the dots on what I what I received about that. And again, this is this is not I'm not the owner of the truth. I'm just sharing what I received from 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 Allah, uh, and it's up to us to study these these things. I pray to Yahuwah for understanding and wisdom, as I was sharing and sharing before. So, if we go to the Book of uh, Revelation. Chapter the three and five, just to give few examples of what I'm talking about, we see in the chapter three of Revelation, verse five. These are the letters to the to the assemblies. It says the following: He who overcomes shall be dressed in white robes, and I sh- and I shall by no means blot out his name from the book of life, but I shall confess his name before my Father and before His messenger So. This is a blessing, it's a promise, but for the overcomers, they will receive a white robe. It's going, they are going to receive a white garment. And uh, actually in, in, uh, in the same chapter, in the verse 18, uh, we see also uh, an instruction to this church is about uh, also white garments. And it says the following, I advise you to buy from me gold refined in fire, so that you become rich, and white garments, so you become dressed, so that the shame of your nakedness might not be uh, not be shown, and anoint your eyes with ointments so that you see. So again we see again in this chapter a repetitive aspect of the white garments. Uh, and if we continue, you know, in, in the book of Revelation, there are multiple multiple examples, and I want to I want to share the world with, with you guys. If we go to chapter seven, verse nine, and this is the, the vision of the great multitude that uh, John received as a revelation from Yahushua, and, and it's important to remind this, in, if we read carefully the chapter one, verse one of Revelation, we know that the entire book of Revelation is the revelation of John, the Apostle. is the revelation of Yahushua HaMashiach. Yahushua HaMashiach received that revelation, and he sent it to John, the Apostle. So it's important to keep in mind that every every time that we read the book of Revelation, it's the revelation that Yahushua HaMashiach received. So it says the following in the chapter 7, verse 9. And after this I looked and saw a great crowd which no one was able to count, out of all nations and tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, listen to this, dressed in white robes and palm branches in their hands. So again, we see this concept of the white garments. We go to the verse 13 and we see the answer here. Who are those people? The verse 13, and 14 it says, and one of the elders responded, saying to me, Because uh, there was a question here, who are those people? So, so the answer was this, and, uh, and one of the elders responded and saying, saying to me, Who are these dressed in white robes? And where did they come from? And I said to him, Master, you know, and he said to me, These are those coming out of the great distress, having washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb so we see who are those people are the overcomers that we see in the chapter three that are going to receive the white garments that they are going to receive white garments because they're washing the garments in the blood of yahushua Messiah. if we go to the chapter 19 of revelation verse 14 and if you're wondering how this is connected to the to the portion today just give me a minute and i will do the connection so we see in the chapter uh, 19, is the second coming of Yahushua HaMashiach. He's coming in order to take control and to establish the kingdom of Yahuwah on earth. And in the, the verse 14, it says the following, and the armies armies in the heaven, listen to this, dressed in fine linen, white and clean, follow him in white horses. And uh, it's important to to to, to note here that uh, those are messengers those are the angels mm-hmm. that are coming with yahushua HaMashiach, and the angels are dressed in fine linen and it's, it's saying he's white and clean so it's white linen it is, this is really important because of what i'm going to mention uh, in a moment and we see just a confirmation of this if we go to the book of matthew, uh, matthew chapter 28 Verse two and three. And this is the resurrection of Yahushua HaMashiach. It says, When I see and see, there was a great earthquake, for a messenger of Yahuwah came down out of heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. And his appearance was like lining and his garments as white snow. So we see a confirmation that the messengers of Yahuwah are dressing in white linen. Uh, it's important because what we, we will see in the chapter 39 of this portion. So, and the, also we see an amazing parable in the book of Ma- in Matthew, in the chapter 22, is the parable of the wedding feast. And um, we will see in the chapter, in the verse 11 to verse 14. You know, the, just to summarize the parable of the wedding feast, not, no one, uh, uh, none of the people that were invited originally uh, wanted to go to the feast. So the king decided to send his servants in order to bring the lame, the poor, everybody else that was on the streets in order to fill his house. You know, and when everybody went uh, to the house, you know, is the portion that I'm gonna read in the verse 11. So it says the following one, when the sovereign came in to view the guests, he saw there a man who had not put on a wedding garment. So there is a special garment that we need, to, we need to have in order to participate of the wedding feast. So the king saw this man without the wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you come in here not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the sovereign said to the servants, buy him hand and foot take him away and throw him out into the outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, and and this is an important way that Yahushua is finishing the parable. For many are called, but few are chosen. So the whole thing here on on this parable is that basically that we need to have a special garment, the wedding garment, and we see a connection with the other passages that I, I was talking about that We have been promised by Yahushua HaMashiach to receive a new garment, a white garment. And we see also the angels in heavens uh, wearing fine linen. Why fine linen? And uh, you know about the wedding garment that we see an important connection also in the book of Revelation, chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19, verse 8. It's talking about the new Jerusalem. Okay, he's talking about the bride, basically. And it's talking about assembly as well. So it says the following: unto her was given to be dressed in fine linen, clean, bright listen to this for the fine linen is the righteousness of the set apart ones. so so here we have the answer of what is the meaning of the white linen is the righteousness is the righteousness of the saints is this the righteousness of the kalashim in hebrew so and we see the connection here with the parable because it's talking about the marriage supper of the lamb and the parable was talking about the wedding feast so what are the the garment the, the the wedding garments the wedding garments what we see here is fine linen white fine linen so why why this is so important uh, and and i'm gonna connect to what jake said uh, if we go to the book of uh, uh, peter first peter chapter two and nine First Peter chapter two and nine says the following, but you are a chosen race. Listen to this, a royal priesthood, a set apart nation, a people for a possession that you should proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we, through Yahushua, we are kings and priests. And, and, and actually, you know, what, what, is, what is the connection? You know, we see this, this, uh, all these passages talking about new garments, and this garment based uh, uh, basing the, the context of what I have been sharing in the verses is related to white, clean linen. We see an amazing connection to what is written in this portion. And let's go to the portion. Let's go to the Exodus chapter 39, verse 27. And this is the description, the entire chapter 39 is the description of how they were preparing the, uh, the garments for the Kohen Hagadol, the high priest, and for the priests. And we go to the verse 27. We see the description of what was prepared for Aaron and for his sons. And it says, and they made the long, long shirt of fine linen, the work of a waver. With aaron and his sons and a turban of fine linen and the turban of ornaments of fine linen and short trousers of line of fine woven linen so so and we continue with the description all the garments of the kohanim of the priests were made with fine linen white fine linen in the same way that we see the descriptions of angels of Yahweh being dressed with white linen in heavens and the description that we have been promised to wear white garments so so if we go to the chapter 40 of the of the same portion in Exodus in the verse 14 we see here when they were dressed basically and uh, i'm going to i'm going to read it from the verse 12 to the fourteen, and says, and you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the door of the tent of appointment, and wash them with water, and you shall put the set apart garments on Aaron, and anoint him, and set him apart to serve as priest to me, and you shall bring his sons, and put long shirts on them. What are the long shirts on them? Are the white linen that were prepared, and we read just read on the on the chapter thirty nine, and uh, you know actually if we read the uh, we go back to the chapter 39 just to connect something else in the verse 41 what was the purpose of these white garments it was special garments for the Kohanim for the priests and in the chapter 39 verse 41 it says the woven garments to do service in the set apart place set apart garments for Aaron and the priest and his son's garments to serve as priests. So so all these garments were special for some purpose, only one purpose, for to do the service in the temple, in the tabernacle of Yahuwah. And it was especially for Aaron and for his sons that they became the priests. And where we see a confirmation of all of this, that these white garments for the, uh, were for the Kohanim, If we go to the book of Ezekiel, Yehezkel in Hebrew, to the chapter 44, verse 15 to 19. Did you say 34 or 44? 44. 44, sorry. Yes. 44,
0: verse 15 to
2: 19. And it says the following. But the priests, the Levites, the sons of Sadok, who guarded the duty of my set-apart place. When the children of Israel went astray from me, they shall draw near to me to serve me, and shall stand before me to bring to me the fat and the blood, declares the Master Yahuwah. They shall enter, and, and listen to this, this is really important. They shall enter my set-apart place, and they shall draw near to my table to serve me, and they shall guard my charge. And we know this is a pro- promise for the latter, latter times, this is going to be the establishment of the service during the millennial. so we know that basically it's talking about yahushua so, hamashiach so who are the sons of sadok and this is something important i, I just i'm going to speak in, in a minute about that uh, but they are the, they going to be the ones that are going to enter the set up place they are going to be the ones that are going to be serving Yahuwah elohim so let's continue let's continue reading in, this, in the verse 17, and it shall be when they enter the gates of the inner courtyard, and listen, this is important, that they put on linen garments. No wool shall come upon them while they attend within the gates of the inner courtyard or within the house. They shall have linen turbans on their heads and linen trousers on their bodies. They shall not cure themselves with sweat. Uh, and when they go out to the outer courtyard, the other courier, to the people, they shall take off their garments, which they have attended, and shall leave them in the set-apart rooms and shall put on other garments, and they shall set apart the people in their garments. So basically we see an expanded understanding on distraction that we see in this portion in Exodus, that basically the whole purpose of these white garments of linen was for the priest in order to be used only in the set-apart place. In the place that Yahuwah was going to put His name, in the place that the presence of Yahuwah is, it was going to inhabit in the, among the people of uh, of Israel, so so that was the place, the only place that the priest supposed to use the white garment. So so what what I'm trying to what I'm trying to connect is basically when we see and we go to the uh, book of Revelation. Chapter 1, verse 4 to 6. And we will see the amazing, amazing connection that uh, Jake was talking about. And I, I also mentioned uh, just something very small. It, it, it says in the verse 4, and John, the seven assemblies that are in Asia, favor to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is coming. And from the seven Ruachot, the seven spirits, that are that are before his throne and from yahushua hamashiach the trustworthy witness the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the sovereigns of the earth to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and listen to this and has made us sovereigns and priests to his elohim and father to him be esteemed and rule forever and ever Amen. So we see here that through Yahushua is a confirmation. He is the one washing us through his blood. He is the one removing our sins. He is the one anointing us in the same way through the anointing us with the Ruach HaKodesh, in the same way that we see in this portion Aaron and his sons being washed with water. That is an amazing parallel to baptism, you know. And we see that through Yahushua, we are becoming priests. We know that Yahushua HaMashiach is the Kohen HaGadol, is the high priest. And through him, we are becoming high priest. So what are these new garments that we are going to receive? What are these white garments that basically we are going to uh, receive as the promise of Yahushua? I see a direct connection. And this is the bottom line of what I'm trying to, to say. I see a direct connection of the garments that we see in this portion that were especially prepared to the Kohanim, to the priests, is the same description that we see that the Kohanim was fine linen, is the fine linen garment that we are going to receive because we are going to be priests to Yahuwah. And, and you know, as I said, the, these, these garments, uh, the purpose of them was to be used only in the temple, in the set apart place, And uh, let's go to the book of Revelation again, chapter 21, verse 25 to 27. And it's talking about the New Jerusalem. It says the following, and its gates shall not be shut at all by day, nor by night, uh, for night shall not be there. And they shall bring the steam and depreciation of the nations into it. And they shall by no means enter into, into it, whatever is unclean, neither anyone doing abomination and falsehood, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So we see that new Yerushalayim is gonna become the new set of our place in the future. And the only thing that are gonna enter there is going to be clean things nothing unclean is going to be able to enter the city so if we do the parallel to what was the the work to be done by the beauty of the of the uh, the Kohenim they needed to uh, wear white garments in the set of our place and we understand that through Yahushua we are the priests the new priests we will need to wear white garments the promised white garments in the new set of our place so i'm wondering and this is an open question that i have you know because it's written that not everybody is going to live in the new Jerusalem. Hmm. there are multiple peoples there are special people who is going to live in the new Jerusalem. we don't know who is going to be the the one with that, that privilege that is going to be living in the city uh, and uh, many other peoples are gonna be spread through the land of Israel, that uh, what is written in the book of Ezekiel. So I'm wondering if every time that we will need to go to New Jerusalem, maybe we'll need to go with white garments for the moedims, for the feasts and so on. And uh, we'll need to take that garments out and put in another garments when we wanted to go out to the different places. I'm wondering if it's gonna work like that but uh, maybe it is, we will know in the future. But the most important thing here is that basically the white garments that we see, the reference in the New Testament, the only way to understand this is by understanding the garments being made for the kohanim. So, uh, how to connect something something in addition, and, and I have been sharing this in the past uh, here in the, in the Virtual House Church. Uh, something that it, it, it caught my attention all the time is what is written. is about the priesthood, uh, because how how we can become a priest if we are not descendants of Aaron? And this is something important that required a, a, a lot of study. And and why I'm saying this because if we go to the book of uh, uh, Exodus, chapter 40. Verse 15 is part of the portion. It says the following. Uh, this is the instruction of Moshe that basically he needed to bring the Aaron and his sons in order to put the garments and anoint them. And it says the chapter, the, the verse 15 of the chapter 40, and shall anoint them. He's talking about the sons. So let me read from the 14: And you shall bring his sons and put long shirts on them and shall anoint them as you anointed their father, and they shall serve as priests to me. And listen to this, this important part. And their anointing should be for them as a, an everlasting priesthood throughout their generations. So what we're talking about is everlasting priesthood. So everlasting is everlasting. And if Yahweh is saying that it's the everlasting priesthood is, for, is going to be for the sons of Aaron, you know, he is not a man to lie. So, so, and, and we see this, this uh, confirmation, even in the chapter 29 of uh, Exodus, verse nine, verse eight and nine, it says the following, then you shall bring his sons and put long shirts on them and shall gird them with girdles. Aaron and his sons, and put the turbans on them, and listen, and the priesthood shall be theirs for an everlasting law. So you shall ordain Aaron and his sons." So you know, as I said, everlasting is everlasting. You know how we can say that the priesthood has been changed? But we know, in the other hand, that Yahushua HaMashiach is our priest and king. And we just have read some of the verses in the Inverid Hadashah that through Yahushua, we are going to become priests and kings as well. So how come we can put all these verses in harmony? Because we cannot have confusion and we cannot have a a a contradictory message in the scripture. If we see this opposite understanding in the scripture, it's not because the scripture is being confused. It's because we are not understanding what the scripture is trying to tell us. So the only way to connect all of this is if Yahushua HaMashiach was part of the seed of Harun. And you know, there is, a, and we see a lot of a, a lot of evidences, and I shared this in, in, in the past in the Virtual House Church, that, you know, Yehuhanan, John the Baptist, was a son of a, of a, of a priest. And we saw uh, that uh, her mother, Elisheva, that was part of the daughters of uh, Levi, of the uh, daughters of Aaron, was cousin. was a was a relative of Miriam. So Yahushua Hamashiach was cousin of John the Baptist. So they were sharing the same blood. So what it means that Yahushua Hamashiach? This is part of, is part of a more uh, deep study to understand that Yahushua Hamashiach he was bringing together two blood lines, the bloodline of the kings. For the part of David and the bloodline of Aaron for the part of the priests. So in Yahushua HaMashiach, you know, this promise of Yahuwah is not being broken. Yahushua HaMashiach is the rightful uh, high priest uh, confirming the law uh, and the everlasting law and the everlasting covenant between Yahuwah and, and Aaron but the the, the, the great question and also this is an open question that i don't have the answer but i have a a, a good guess that i will i will share with you how we can become priests how uh, we we can receive this promise of becoming priests and, and being able to wear the white garments because uh, we don't know if we are of the, the seed of Aaron maybe not all, all of us are part of the seed of Aaron so, so how come we can become priests not Breaking this covenant that Yahuwah made with Aaron, and the, my, my my best guess that I have today is related to the resurrection. You know, in the first resurrection, it's written by Paul that every all the all the all those ones that were selected, the chosen ones, are gonna that are that are dead at the moment of the coming of Yahushua are gonna be resurrected in new bodies, and all of us that are gonna be living at the moment on the, of the coming of Yahushua, we are going to be transformed in a new body. Could it be that this new body somehow is going to be related to Aharon and his sons? And in that way, it's going to be and related to the new body of Yahushua being the king, the, the the king and the high priest, that this is the most important thing. We are going to have the nature and the same body of Yahushua HaMashiach. That's the, the, what the scripture is telling us, that it could it be that this is going to be the way that we are going to become priests and you know why, why? Why this is my best guess? Because if we go uh, again to the book of Revelation, to the chapter twenty, you know, even even when I, when our guesses only, it's important to best those guesses guesses in the scriptures, and and this is what I try to do all the time. So if we go to the chapter twenty, verse six. Of revelation it says the following blessed and set apart is the one having part in the first resurrection the second death possesses no authority over this but they shall be priests of elohim and of messiah and shall reign with him a thousand years so there is a direct connection that those ones that are going to participate in the first resurrection and let, 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 let's understand that they, it's, not the, it's not going to be only the people that are dead and it's going to be resurrected. It's going to be also those that are going to be transformed. Those ones are also going to be participating in the first resurrection. So all of them are going to be priests of Elohim and Messiah and going to reign with him a thousand years. So, so that's why my best guess that something is related to the resurrection in this transformation of our bodies, that I I do believe this is going to be the new, the second part of uh, be born again, be born in the spirit, be born in a new body. We are going to, those, those people are going to be, and that's the connection in order to become priests. So, so, you know, for me, this topic is, is so amazing guys, that uh, again, the way to understand the new testament and everything that is written there even prophecies we need to base with the foundation you know i was sharing before that in order to build up the tabernacle was in a parallel or building up the assembly and how was the assembly building up with the teachings of the neveins with the foundations with the uh, chief cornerstone and, and you know, that's the way to do it because if we go to one topic and understand the new garment without understanding the very beginning and doing this connection about that we are gonna become priests, we are not gonna be able to understand. And for me, that's why it's so amazing to see how being priests, we're gonna be able to have those white garments and we're gonna be able to participate in the wedding feast of the Lamb. So last thing just to, to, to finish guys, um, by the way, I think all of us here, we want to participate in this first resurrection. You know, we want to be part of the uh, millennial kingdom of, of Yahushua Hamashiach, to be part of this uh, big Shabbat, you know, that's gonna last for a thousand years. So we need to we need to be pushing forward in order to participate on that. So the last thing that I wanted to to share to Rob and Jake and everybody that is here with us here, that it caught my attention at the end of the of the chapter 40. Uh, we see Moshe, Mo- Moses having an uh, uh, an active uh, role on set, uh, setting up all the tabernacles, and he was the one uh, uh, offering sacrifices of incense, putting the ark of the covenant, offering sacrifices uh, in the in the other the altar outside, uh, anointing the the, the priests and so on. So it's amazing to see how Moses also uh, it's is a parallel it's a figure of yahushua hamashiach considering all the verses that i have been sharing with you but what what it got my attention in this part is that in the way that he put everything together he didn't start from the outside he started from the inside he put together the tabernacle and he the first thing that he put was the ark of the covenant then the veil then the menorah, the, the table, the altar of incense. And then they started to go outside. And the last thing that he put together is basically the courtyard. So so the the way to do things, just in the pattern that we see here in this portion, is to go from inside to outside. So and, and why why this is so relevant to, to us? Uh, because of a few words of Yahushua. And let me let me share with you. Let's go first. To the Book of Matthew, chapter fifteen, verse sixteen to twenty, and this is the dispute between uh, the disciples Yahushua and the Pharisees because the disciples they, they were not washing their hands according to the to the customs of the of the elders. So it says the following: sixteen, when Yahushua was explaining them what was defilement. And it says, And Yahushua said, Are you also uh, still without understanding? Do you not understand that whatever enters into the mouth goes into the stomach and is cast out in, uh, in the sewer? But what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart, and this defiles the man. For out of the heart comes word wicked reasonings, murders, adulteries, whoring, thefts, false witnesses, slanders, this defile the man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the man. So, so what Yahushua is saying is that first we need to take care of what is inside. We need to change our minds and change our, our heart. We need to work inside to the outside in the same way that we see the pattern of Moshe standing up the tabernacle. And the, the same thing we see in the chapter 23, verse 25 and 26, and I shared this passage I think last week or the week before. And this is the I, I, I like the, very much this chapter because what Yahushua said here is so so important and so strong that we need to remind ourselves all the time. And it says the following: in the verse twenty-five, "Well, to you, as scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are filled with plunder and unrighteousness." Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, so that the outside of them becomes clean too. So we need to clean. We need to put importance and the key and focus on cleaning us inside. This is exactly what Yahushua HaMashiach is doing with us, you know, washing us from the inside to the outside in order, and we need to become perfect, you know, uh, day by day in his instruction and his way. This is the way that we are cleaning our uh, inside. And when we are gonna be able to clean the outside, guess what? It's at the moment of resurrection because sin is in our flesh. And when we are going to be removed by this flesh and we're going to become a new body is the, when the outer place is going to be removed and changed and clean. So, so I wanted to share this with the, you guys because I see an amazing parallel here. And I think, uh, you know, doing this uh, this, doing this connection between the Tanakh, the Torah, and the Brit HaShah is so important in order to be able to have the full picture of the instruction of Mashiach. That's it, Rolf.
0: All right very good, yeah, good stuff, man. You know, I was just looking at uh revelation twenty eight when you were talking about it. Let me go back there. uh something caught my eye when you were talking that I hadn't seen before, um backing up well, I'll go to verse one, and I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand, and he laid hold on the dragon that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. And cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. Uh, and they lived and reigned with christ a thousand years i often stopped right here and said that those who reigned with christ are only those who were beheaded uh and didn't take the mark during the tribulation period um and then it says but the rest of the dead live not again until a thousand years are finished and he says you know what i'm talking about here this is the first resurrection that's what he's talking about here but you were pointing out verse six blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So um, what I was missing here is, because Paul says the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up with him together in the clouds, which was the, the verse that, you know, oddly enough, people use that verse talking about the being catching up, the catching away up into the clouds, uh, the harpazo as the rapture, and I'm like, well, the the verses people typically use for the preacher of rapture are verses that Paul wrote, but Paul just told you the dead in Christ must rise first, and then we which are alive will be caught up together. So immediately right there, Paul argues against the preacher of rapture just by that statement alone. John tells you when the first resurrection takes place. The first resurrection takes place here in Revelation 20, which is at the end of the tribulation period. So, I mean, this is a big reason why I moved off the pre-trib rapture pages, because Paul doesn't, he tells you, point blank, that in Christ will rise first. John tells you that happens after the tribulation period. But I was always looking at that and and stopping short on verse 4, that those who reigned with Christ were the ones who were beheaded. Now, I understood that we were, you know, uh, part of the first resurrection because the the dead in Christ, you know, everybody who believed in Christ would be part of that first resurrection. But for some reason, I was missing it. I don't know. It's like that verse right there. Verse six says, "We're all there. Those who are in Christ who die, you know, prior to this point, we are all partakers in the reign of Christ for a thousand years." Um. Uh. Because it says, "And it shall reign with him a thousand years." I for some reason, I was stuck on verse 4 thinking it was only those who were beheaded that reign with Christ. I understood that we all go into the millennial reign, you know, that we that we are participants in it, but not necessarily reigning, you know, as in rulers, if you will, uh, you know, as kings and priests. I, I had assumed it was only the martyrs of the tribulation period. Until just now, I'm looking. At it, I'm like, how did I miss that? I mean, it's like two verses later. <laughs> so there you go. You know, learn something new every day. You know, every time we do this. Uh, so I appreciate you sharing all that. And um, you know, linen. I, I've started to. I actually bought. Uh, I we have a king size bed. I went and finally bought um, linen sheets. And you know, a top cover mattress and sheets for it. I don't have yet a comforter for it that is linen, but. That stuff's expensive, uh, uh, but uh, yeah, man, it uh, it's nice sleeping in linen. I'll tell you that. <laughs> it's it's you know I always was looking for like 300 count or 300 you know thread count cotton or whatever before, which typically is what I used to sleep in. But sleeping in linen, and the more you wash it, the softer it gets. So uh, uh, and sitting here, uh, most, I'm not wearing linen right now, but usually when I'm just you know sitting here in front of my computer during the day. Uh, I've taken to wearing linen, also, and uh, it was it specifically said in one of the uh, I think it was Ezekiel forty four passage you were you were talking about before. It says, "Don't gird yourselves with anything that causes sweat," and uh, you know I've sat here in cotton T-shirts, sweating, sitting here in linen, don't sweat. So. Yeah, I'm looking forward to wearing linen man As, especially the kind of linen that that's coming from above <laughs> you know uh, that's all good stuff man really really appreciate your sharing we got about 10 minutes left anybody have any any uh, burning thoughts you want to share before we close this out
3: I love the linen topic it's just so amazing um, it just proves you know scientifically that he knew what he was talking about when he said, don't mix wool and linen. Right. Yeah. Um, and just like the, that 5,000 frequency, uh, uh, thing that linen, you know, it has adds energy to the body. So it, it kind of is cool that when you think about how, like all the, the saints coming back, um, are clothed in fine white linen. And, uh, it, it you know, I, I, know some, uh, people have likened the linen garments to the garments of the warriors, uh, in biblical times. and just, It's really
0: cool. Yeah, good stuff.
1: You know, Um, something else
0: that was uh, brought out that I just wanted to touch on real quick. I made a note for myself. Uh, I think maybe it was Jake. One of you guys was reading from Revelation three five, talking about uh, he will. uh, um, Well, let's just go there. Revelation three three five. Put it up on the screen. Um he that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before the angels. Uh, That was something else that always jumped out at me. It's like you can't blot something out unless it was there to begin with. It had to be there first in order to be blotted out, which says to me when he says that Yehovah is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I believe the proof of that is that from the foundation of the world, He wrote, He wrote our names in the book of life. All we need to do is accept our, the reservation that was paid for us. You know, Yeshua paid the price for for our reservation in the heavenly hotel, if we can use the analogy. You know, uh, it's like I, I go when I when i'm a public speaker i don't charge to speak I, I don't charge anybody to do public speaking my only requirement is that you fly me there to the venue and you put me in a hotel because i can't afford to do it myself you know all the time so uh so people will they'll fly me to the venue or whatever and they'll when i walk into the hotel all i have to do typically is is give them my name they look on the register and say yep you're all set and then they give me the key you know, so the price has been paid for my hotel room. So that's sort of the way I look at you know, Yeshua's sacrifice is much greater than that, certainly. But a part of the sacrifice of Yeshua was confirming our reservation. So all we have to do is accept the payment. You know, I mean, how easy is that, right? He he, he paid an enormous price, you know, for for a fantastic uh, dwelling place for us to have with him in eternity. And when we get there, all we have to do is you know proof we have confirmation that we, you know, uh, confirm a reservation, right? That it's been paid for it, But if you reject that, you say, no, you know what? Hey, Jake, thanks so much for flying me here. You know, Jake, thanks so much for putting me up in this fantastic hotel, but nah, I'd rather sleep in the dumpster. What dude, I like, I just paid for your hotel room. It's a nice suite and everything. You know, nah, dude, I, I don't, I don't want it. I, I'm going to, I'm going to reject what you've paid for. Well, you know, the person behind the desk and like, all right, dude, whatever, and he's going to blot my name out of the registry. (laughs) You know, you're an idiot, (laughs) whatever, you know. uh, So, I mean, this is something that really speaks to me. It's like, guys, he, he put our names there. He paid the price for us. All we have to do is accept it. It's free. Why would you not do that? But if you choose not to, then your name gets blotted out. And once it's blotted out, man, it's done. So, that's a sobering thing.
3: You know, I, I did want to point out the uh, New Testament portion of our tour portion study. Um, and it ties to the whole discussion of, of uh, willingness. And, um, you know, it, it's basically the, the they added Jesus washes the disciples feet. Right. Um, and uh, and it's a good kind of cap on our whole talk about our willingness to serve the kingdom of heaven. Right. And he you know, he gives us this amazing example where he you know, he uh, he came to Simon Peter and uh, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him what I am doing. You do not understand. But afterwards, you will understand. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Yeshua answered him. If I do not wash you, you will have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. Uh, and when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garment and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand that I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Um, man if that isn't an example for our level of humility and servitude that we need to take on on a daily basis um you know man <laughs> uh go around washing people's feet not just literally but in everything you do you know
0: yeah good stuff all right that's all i had i didn't have anything i mean the the issue of um uh Mary's cousin Elizabeth being of the tribe of Levi you know, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, we know Zacharias was, Zacharias being the legitimate high priest, right? Uh, so, which would make John the, the, the next high priest, which is why, you know, I always wondered, like, why did everybody follow this guy out in the wilderness, you know? I mean, w- without an understanding of John as a high priest, the story of John the Baptist makes no sense at all. It's like, what's this weird dude out there, you know, <laughs> wearing the animal skins and eating whatever, just people going out to be baptized is because the people understood him to be the legitimate high priest, uh, son of Zacharias. So therefore, uh, you know, he has to be of the tribe Levi. I don't know. I mean, do you have anything that would validate the ancestry of Elizabeth?
2: Sir, can, can you repeat the question?
0: So Zacharias, you know, and John the Baptist, both being uh, you know of the uh, paternal line uh, coming down from yeah. Levi. Do you have anything that would validate that Elizabeth was also of the line of Levi, Levi, or could she have been from another tribe?
2: Yeah, actually, I think it's written in the book of Luke. Let me like, let me look for it. Uh, you know, go go to Luke uh, chapter one verse five.
0: Luke one five.
2: Yes. So it says, there was in the days of Herod the sovereign of Yehuda a certain oh, priest named Zechariah yeah. in Hebrew.
0: His wife was the the of yeah, right
2: the. Yes, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron.
0: Wow, so, that, so that's a definitely a pure blood Levitical household right there uh, yeah. uh, for John the
2: Baptist. So it would
3: be interesting and, to and see. And you know.
2: Yeah, and sorry to interrupt you, Rob, because I, I think it is important, uh, and I agree with you what you said. You know, the only the only way to understand John the Baptist and what he did, he was in the wilderness. Yeah, uh, and because he was a priest, and and you know there was something that John the Baptist says, he he said that uh, one greater than me is coming. Mm-hmm. Who can be greater than a priest? The high priest. A high priest. Right. Correct. Right. Yeah. So, so he was referring to Yahushua.
0: Which is and he's a high priest himself, John the Baptist being yeah. the legitimate high priest after the
2: death of his father. Uh and why why he said that it's a greater than me because he was a high priest and king. Because he was coming from his his Lord coming from the from the line of the kings of David yeah. and also from the, the line of uh, Aaron. So how how like where do the
0: where do the lines converge? Like where Mary being of the ancestry or descended from Judah, where how is she cousins like, like, how far back do do you know was there a brother that married it from one line into the other? You know
2: the secret I think is in in Mary. You know in Mary converged everything.
0: Yeah, somewhere in there, I I'm really fascinated by that whole thesis. I you know honestly I, I still believe he took a, a Nazarite vow myself, but. It that doesn't conflict with anything that you're saying. That would only add to it, in my opinion. Uh, that is that's really interesting. I, I you know it's a study. You know, we're, we're out of time right now, but I mean, it's almost like a whole show could go just to that.
2: Yeah, I need I, and, and also I also need to put it together. I just uh, yeah, you do. Sharing what I remember from the study, I need to put it together. Yeah, you do. And, you know, when I when I was doing this, I, I I I was seeing some 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 things in the scripture. And also was guided to, to watch some videos and study from, from a brother that he was expanding this topic in one way, then another another brother was expanding the topic in another in, in angle, and plus what I was receiving, I joined everything together. Yeah. It's, a, you know, it's a long study, because there are multiple things regarding the genealogies, it's regarding the, yeah. the promises, even in Genesis, of the woman. Uh, we need to understand the Hebrew. And also, there is a prophecy in, in 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 the scripture about the role of the woman yeah. that is coming in this case. How how everything was converging in, in Mary. Well, so and, yeah, and, I need to prepare. it and maybe we can share it. Yeah, I mean, we should actually.
0: And and it's a it's it's a lot more of a significant thing that the scriptures mention specifically that Mary was a cousin to Elizabeth. It's it's not just a random you know fact yep. that's being thrown out there. It's a you know, I, the more I listen to you, the more I listen, you know, and think, consider that it's a, there's a significant thing there that that they go all the way to mention that Mary is a cousin to Elizabeth,
2: you know. And and the reason, Rob, is what I was saying before. So, uh, there is a promise. It was a covenant, an everlasting priesthood for Aaron. So, so how how it could yeah, could how could be, be everlasting? they are going to have two priests. Uh-huh. it cannot be everlasting. Uh-huh. So, so the only way to do it is because Yehushua, the high priest, the new high priest. It's coming from the city of Aaron. yeah, and specifically from the city of Sadok, that is in the prophecy of Ezekiel. Yeah, right. Yeah, good stuff,
0: man. Hey, um, before we close out here, uh, w- people are asking, and, and I'm still thinking it through myself. Like, okay, wh- when is Passover? Uh, are, um, how, let me ask you this: in your calendar, how do you how do do you come to the reckoning of the first month?
2: Um, i'm doing it through the equinox okay so so, so are you of the mindset with, the, with an exception that happened sorry because important to mention this with an exception that happened last year the the you know i was following all my studies the the the, the, the calendar through the book of enoch and the scripture and so on so so uh, since 2017 to 2019 the equinox was happening on the in a, in a tuesday and I have all the, everything record because I'm doing this every year, hmm. with the exception of last year that the equinox didn't happen on Tuesday. So, so I, I received back then that they needed to continue with the counting of 364 days. Hmm. So, so currently I'm counting the 364 days, and next next week is the the is is is, the, the is going to be the completion of the of the year on, yeah. on Tuesday. So I'm going to be measuring the equinox again to see what's uh, what's happening.
0: Yeah, so the spring equinox this year is yeah, it's next Sunday or next, excuse me, next Saturday. Uh a week from today. So it's the the 20th. Yeah. So yeah. uh is it your understanding that the the Hebrew month will begin on the first new moon that follows the equinox?
2: No. No. It's uh no, it's is the the day after. The the equinox is when the moon. So you're going directly off. It's not related. It's it's not related to the the moon in this case.
0: So you're going directly off the sun
2: then. Yes, with the exception that the moon is also bringing a testimony every three years. The moon and the sun uh, are in the full full face on the um, on the equinox. You know that happened on 2018, I think, if I'm not wrong. That uh, you you were able to see, and, and this is the description that is in the book of Enoch, that the, in the day of the equinox, every three years, you will see in the sky, in the heaven, the full moon, and also the sun at the same time, hmm. in the now, morning. Now, is that always? I a, don't remember by heart the the, the the passage, but it's written like that. Uh,
0: and now, does that always occur on a Wednesday when that happens, every three years?
2: In this case in this case it's a wednesday but you know there there are multiple disputes you know calendar is a very mm-hmm. hot topic yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah. that uh, it needs to be a wednesday or it is going to be uh, after the equinox like what happened if the equinox is happening in a thursday uh, friday and so on uh, you are going to start the year t- in a different day and uh, many people did last year t- that that basically they started the, the day uh, the year t- on the thursday and they're keeping Shabbat in a totally different day, you no know, on Saturday. Right. Well, they're going uh, off the I'm not, follow- l- lunar not following that. You
0: yeah, know, the
2: lunar Sabbath idea. Uh, some uh, yes, the lunar Sabbath idea, but also even the people that are following the Enoch you know, calendar based on the sun, mm. and also using the, the the moon, as I explained, uh, and also the star. You can use it in you know, order to understand uh, how 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 to measure the three witness in the sky in the heaven. Uh, there there are two groups basically. But there's, One, they, they are, there's more uh, than that. <laughs> resetting and restarting everything uh-huh. according to the equinox and moving the Shabbat mm-hmm. and other people that are intercalating a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not intercalating yet because I have not received the understanding mm-hmm. to, to be very clear to if intercalation should be done or not. Uh, and I'm praying, you know, I have been praying and fasting this week. I was uh, uh, mentioning in the in the chat to, to have the knowledge of what to do next uh, next week yeah uh, because uh, what what we cannot break that's my current understanding shabbat cannot be bro- uh, broken right shabbat is on that day so so the only uh, thing that i could accept in case we need to intercalate in this calendar is to intercalate a full week But hmm. I still i don't have the i don't have find the evidences that we need to intercalate something in the in the calendar the, according to that revelation
0: so The calendar, again, I don't claim to be right either. I'm I'm still searching a lot of this stuff Mm -hmm. out. Frankly, I haven't spent a a whole lot of time really digging in. I've been relying on people like you and Kevin and others who who have taken a lot more time than I have to study these things out. My current understanding is that the the first month of the Hebrew calendar, which would be reckoned different than what you described, would be reckoned off the moon, the first uh, crescent, the, the this first sliver of the crescent moon that is visible after the spring equinox which in this case is March 20th. So I don't I haven't even looked on the calendar to see where the moon is right now, what the moon's doing. I, I frankly don't have any clue at the moment but my understanding would be that we have the spring equinox which would be next Saturday the 20th of March on the Gregorian calendar. look up and wait for the first sliver. That would be the the beginning of the first month. Count fourteen days, and you got Passover. Um, so whatever that comes out to, I haven't I haven't looked at it on the calendar yet, so I don't know. That's my current understanding. What you just described is different from that, and and I don't really grasp it. Um, w- do you have a calendar that you for next year that you've put together yet that we can put on the site? Or
2: I'm I'm preparing it. You know, it, it depends on what I will. Feel next week and be guided based on the, on the equinox and so on. Uh, but I will, I will share the calendar next week.
3: Okay. Um, yeah. I have a little bit of a, a different, uh, take as well. Um, <laughs> three
0: calendars right here on the, yeah.
3: <laughs> I, I don't often talk about the calendar. You know, it's something that I, I, you know, I, we just try to study out ongoing, um, as different, you know, people are, you know, revealing scriptures to support one way or the other, but um, currently, where we're at is um, we we really do take the the name of the month of Aviv as uh, as a really telling thing um, in terms of identifying the beginning of the year. Um, and Aviv is uh, this um, you know process where the barley reaches a state of fullness where it is parched and can be offered as a offering, and so uh, the month of Aviv, um, we've come to, you know, associate well. Um, in the Passover month, they had to have an a barley offering, and so it makes sense that they would start the month when those first fruits of the barley were available to be used as a wave offering. Because if we wait, um, depending on other calculations, your whole field's already going to have headed. You're going to have already made the harvest, and there's not going to be a difference between the first fruits, which would have already reseeded, and the last fruits, which you know everybody you know they harvest the whole. And so, because um, you know personally, we see such a, a tie to the agricultural language and and offerings um, throughout um, the, the 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 various months. Um, I've I've seen uh, I've come to the conclusion at the moment that. Um, it is important for uh, there to be a first fruits of the barley uh, appearing um, to be used. And also, you know, um, uh, we, we also go by the sighted uh, crescent moon at the moment. Um, so, all of that together, basically, um, whenever there's Aviv barley found in the land and it, it, you know, that could be used as a wave offering, then um, that. That new moon, um, you cite the new moon, and that would be the first month. And so um, it, it kind of changes years to year because there's often um, sometimes volunteer. So we wouldn't go necessarily off of like man plant, like you can plant at any time, right? Let's just, you can plant barley at any time. But volunteer barley, which is something that it just naturally comes up at the time it will, depending on the sun and the rain. Um, Uh, It it makes sense that um, that that kind of would indicate the first fruits whenever that barley appeared. Um, And, you know, a lot of people, you might wonder, well, how did they tell the months whenever they were in a drought or when they were in the wilderness? Um, And I do believe um, in Genesis, where it says the sun, moon and stars are used for uh, time, seasons and appointed Moedim, that there is... Also, you know, a calculation that goes into identifying the beginning of the year. If you don't have your, you know, the first fruits of your crop coming up, and it's a drought, then depending on the stars and also the equinox, there is a good way to identify the beginning of the year. If you're in the North Pole or or you're all across the Earth, right? Um, But particularly when you're in the land, I do believe that um, there there is a significance to the month being called the month of the abib, which is synonymous with the abib barley, you know, the barley offering, the first fruits of that offering. Um, and so where that places us is, um, right now, uh, I think the new, the new moon is within the, today or tomorrow and there has been, uh, large amounts of aviv barley found in Israel, uh, preceding this new moon, which is I think today or tomorrow. So, um, from our perspective uh, and where we're at right now with the calendar, um, uh, this the next few days would be the beginning of the month of Aviv, um, and uh, we would be keep, keeping a Passover uh, at, here in the end of March. Well, um, can
0: I just say something on that? Yeah, um, I, I tracked down the the Aviv Aviv depending on what you some use the V or the B um, uh, issue of, of the barley and everything, but. Like uh, so, I just when you said the moon phase, I just looked it up real quick on Time and Date right now, Time and Date com. So it says we are, you know, they reckon the the new moon as a conjunction. I'm, I used to be a conjunctionist. Now I'm not, it's, it's so complicated. I'm no longer a conjunctionist. I'm a sliver guy. So like you said, within the next day or so, we will have a sliver. The problem is that that can't be a bee. It can't be spring because we the spring equinox hasn't happened yet. So my contention is that if if you're going uh, so if, if you're gonna, in other words, this month can't be a Beeb even though the, the first crescent moon will be, let's say, tomorrow. Uh, because the the spring equinox doesn't happen until next Saturday, which means a be If we go the way I described earlier, then of course the fruit will be ready because the next month will be uh, the next sliver will be a month from tomorrow. You know, even though next week is the the spring equinox the next month begins with the sliver after the spring equinox so that you're actually in the spring you can't be you can't have spring feast not in the spring spring starts with the equinox so the the first sliver that begins after the spring equinox which in this case is next saturday would be roughly a month from now so it would be you know roughly april 14th ish would be the beginning of abib and then 14 days later would be passover and by then the the you know the Barring a drought, like you said, or some kind of unforeseen thing, the the ground should respond accordingly because you'll be in our Gregorian calendar a month into the spring equinox, or three weeks or so into it. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah, yeah, for sure. My my, yeah, but would be um, <laughs> there are uh, well, so yeah, but... if if the first fruits is necessary for an offering during Passover, and we only calculate based on the equinox. Then, like, for example, this year where there's already fields and fields of Aviv barley and we wait a whole nother month, you're not offering the first fruits anymore. And yeah, but it, it's going to be your last fruits. Right. I, so I just did a Yeah. But so that's.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess it, it becomes because uh, the other question, you know, you got like Michael Rood and others they, they have people in the land of Israel, you know, checking everything that they're sighting the moon from Israel. They're checking the ground in Israel you know uh now interestingly enough Israel I'm in Dallas Israel's pretty much on the same latitude as it is here in Dallas uh you know on the 33rd ish 34th parallel um so you know I, we, here we I mean we just we just had freezing temperatures like a week ago or 2 weeks ago whatever it was we're freezing to death here uh it is only now getting into uh the kind of weather that would be conducive to growing anything so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I struggle with all of that. And uh, there's so many yeah buts, depending on which calendar. Well, all the calendars have yeah buts, frankly. Otherwise, there wouldn't be so many yeah. different points of view. So and, you know, to the audience out there, you know, we don't. We certainly don't want to cause confusion here. But you got three guys here that that are doing the best we can, and we all have completely different views on how it works. So yeah, you're just gonna have to pray it out and.
3: You
2: know, I, I will say. We, I need, to, it, we need to do, need to do uh, what is bringing peace to our heart. You know, it's going gonna, gonna to come one moment that will, we will have one calendar. No dispute. Yeah, gonna well,
0: two witnesses up. are going to show up and say, Yeah, brrr, yeah. Ping.
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I just wanted to say, you know, Passover was so important for us to keep that he gave us two opportunities to keep Passover. And so <laughs> while I'm I'm explaining where we're at in our, you know, in our study, you know, and you guys have, you know, where you're at, you're at in your study, uh, the, the the point is, is that um, a lot of years, sometimes we often end up keeping two or sometimes maybe like, th- you know, we'll, we'll go in fellowship with other people if they have a different calendar or right. they're on a different particular day. Sure. We'll go and celebrate with them. And, and so, you know, if it's not this coming month, you know, March thirtieth, which, which uh, I have a, a little conspiracy rabbit hole there. The the reason I think there could be uh, uh, there's a significance to if if this is the beginning of the month, then um, it's exactly twelve hundred and thirty days from uh, the uh, end of Sukkot in twenty seventeen, where that Revelation twelve sign happened. So that's yeah. one of my one of my kind of like. Uh, side reasons I'm like hmm I wonder if this is the coming Passover but um but anyways bottom line is we often keep you know uh 2 months in a row sometimes um because you know we're not sure and you know it is important for us to you know hear each other out and to study all these things out and um you know I uh I, you know it's just a uh, you know it's an ongoing process that's why I hardly ever talk about um the calendar or or uh, what what we're on it because um it, you know, you never know. And if we did mess up, then if you're keeping Second Passover, also, uh, which I think there's a good argument that we should be keeping Second Passover since we can't go back to the land for per- First Passover, right? That, that's Steve you know, Matuia's uh,
0: position, I think. You know, and I tend to agree with him. I, yeah. I, his logic is, is pretty sound, in my
3: opinion. Yeah, it. You know, it's it's a really interesting um, point. And you know, um, bottom line. Uh, do your best to study to show yourself approved. And then next year, if, you know, you find more study to lead you in a different direction, then you'll keep it, you know, next year even closer to, you know, where Yah's leading you. And and the significance, I think, of uh, observing Passover and why it's important that we start to figure out what are we going to actually do or when are we going to keep it is because Passover uh, has with it some very significant um, things for us as as believers, even today in a modern context, such as you know, getting the leaven out of your house, you know, represents getting sin out of your home. And uh, you know, I'm just, I know I'm speaking to the choir here. I'm just saying this for the people that are watching that are like, why you know, why do these guys care so much? What mm-hmm. what is the big deal? Well, the big deal is that you know we want to uh, be sitting there with uh, at a feast, which I've come to realize is uh, paralleled and likened to the the marriage supper of the lamb mm-hmm. you know P- passover is not completely fulfilled Do you guys know that because he said i will not partake of this last cup till i am with you mm-hmm. guess what he is he was talking to them about about that last cup mm-hmm. at at a seder, at pe at a passover meal so yeah. that's why all this is so important because it is something we will be practicing under the messiah whenever he does set us all straight and that's why we're going through these uh rehearsals you know now
0: so yeah i just i looked up to see what the traditional passover you know w- what are the jews doing right now um and i uh, just googled it. it says um uh sunday march 28th some way say 27th beginning on the 27th uh but uh, you know 27 28 uh, appears to be the sort of the, the traditional date that everybody uh, when well, i everybody but jewish people will be celebrating this year um I'm sure there's plenty within our circles that will be doing it at different times. Um, you know, I think it's important to point out that the moedim, that's the Hebrew word for appointed times, uh, are to be mikra, and a mikra is a rehearsal. Well, I've done enough theater to know that you don't get everything right in rehearsals. <laughs> you try to, that's the point of rehearsal. The point of rehearsal is to try to get everything right. But you, whenever I do theater, I would have lots of rehearsals many rehearsals as I can and then we finally get to the point where like I tell my actors look we we don't you can't even begin to act until you're off script or off book we call it you know get off book and then we can start acting you know if you're still looking at your script because you don't know your lines yet you're not ready to act yet you know once I've got all my actors off book and they all know their lines perfectly then I call for a tech rehearsal and I t- call the technical crew together and say, "Okay, guys, we got to make sure that everything hits the mark, you know, on time. You know, the lighting cues, the audio cues, the set dressers get everything, the props where they need to be at the proper time, you know. We might do two tech rehearsals, you know. And then we'll have a dress rehearsal, and then we have the main event. So I don't know that Yahu is following that same sort of traditional pattern of theatrical rehearsals, but it seems like he may be." You know, that, that there are rehearsals, rehearsal, rehearsals, then we might have a tech rehearsal or two, maybe even a dress rehearsal, and then we have the main event. Um, I have come to the opinion that we are in, perhaps in tech rehearsal phase right now. That there are many of us that, you know, we've got our lines down, we understand, you know, what happens when uh, and why. Um, but we are all scrambling to try to figure out the technical aspects of it, you know, the lighting cues in the sky and the ground and the, you know, props on the ground, and we're trying to figure that out right now. So I'm of the opinion, this is just Rob now, this is not the say of the Lord, that my opinion is that collectively as a body, we are in tech rehearsal phase. Uh, and the two witnesses will come up, will show up to be the directors and say, okay, guys, here's the deal, and they'll get us all in sync, you know, have remarks perfectly. We'll have all that timing, right. You know, there might even be a dress rehearsal. Who knows? Uh, then there's going to be the main event. That's, that's my take on it.
2: It's going to be the last rehearsal with the two witnesses, Robbie, in order to be prepared for the final act. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, man. So, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, last thing regarding the calendar from my side, guys, just to share with Jake, you know, I was in the same, the same calendar as you described until 2016. And it's funny, you know, because uh, you you have been sharing the, the the videos of the the broadcast of the virtual house yours of 2017. Rob, yeah. When I first joined to to virtual house. Yeah. I was exactly in that point, in the in the transition, to the new calendar. I, I I saw when I was reading the book of Enoch and study a lot of that. So 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 it's interesting because you know you mentioned Jake that uh, you are connecting with the with the sign on the September 27 and doing exactly the same and uh, you know even i prepare some studies about the the the, the days of in the book of uh, daniel the 1335 days uh, with the calendar and you can find amazing things about the, how this is connecting with the year with the Pesach, uh, and with the shavuot uh, that is connecting a lot of uh, a lot of thoughts so so the, the, when i when i wanted to say Rob wrote to, to finish uh, the calendar is that they uh, to avoid confusion because uh, you know we have three different positions yeah. if anybody wants to 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 see more details uh, the, the calendar i have been following in the in the last four years already uh, i invite them to go to my channel uh, you know I have been spending the, a lot of time putting materials uh, about the, about the topic so i will recommend if they they want to to go in more details more depth about the what is the calendar i'm, I'm talking about they can go to the channel they can spend hours and hours watching videos that i have been uploading on yeah. the topic to understand better the uh, what was my my position in it
0: yeah in, in my position like uh, uh, regarding the revelation 12 sign it already happened i'm not looking for another one <laughs> you know uh there's interesting things going on in the sky i think it's cool but like for me that's completely irrelevant it's been fulfilled uh, I see no biblical reason prophetically to be looking for another Revelation twelve sign, even though they do happen. it's the fact that it happened in what two thousand seventeen or whatever. It's happened many times throughout the centuries. You know, you can go on Stellarium and trace it back and start. You know, if you have the patience to do it over the last two thousand years, you'll see. You know, quite a number of times where we had very close, if not identical, uh, alignments to uh, what happened on September eleventh, three B.C. Uh, so for me. That, that's off the table I'm not even I'm not even looking at it but uh, you know everybody's got their th- their calling everybody's got their convictions and I respect yours uh you know that's great maybe I'm wrong maybe you're wrong who cares we'll find out in the end one way or another um, people are asking then okay when is passover people who want to do it the traditional ca- uh, calendar at least when on, on a Google search says March 28th for a traditional Jewish calendar. Uh, we'll just take a poll here, I guess. Uh, Jake, when what date do you have in mind for <laughs> Passover on yours, and and then Juan Carlos, you too.
3: Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll probably be keeping a uh, a Passover here on March 28th or 20. Depending, I can't remember if they go, they go by the conjunction or the sighted, but yeah. it's it'll be in that frame. And then we're going to Missouri to keep second Passover <laughs> with uh with our friends in Missouri. April <laughs> so well what's, um, yeah
0: what's interesting about that is like your second Passover may be closer to what I would consider my first Passover so we may be doing it about the same time you yeah. know uh, Juan Carlos what's your what's the date that you have in mind for Passover
2: it could it could be in the evening of March 30th
0: so March 30th a couple of days after the traditional one
2: I, I I will know yeah I will know better next week as I explained but uh yeah, that could be one of the, the
0: dates. Uh, I don't have everything in front of me as far as when the next new moon is, but for me, like I said, the, if, if tomorrow is the, uh, the first crescent or the next day or two, um, to me that's before the spring equinox, so I'll be looking for the first crescent following the spring equinox, which is next uh, Saturday, the 20th, so the 20th being the, the uh, spring equinox. Then I'll be looking for a crescent moon after that, which is probably going to be sometime around April, about this time next month, April 12th through 14th-ish, somewhere in there. And then, considering that the first of the month, counting forward 14th. So, for me, it's probably going to be somewhere closer to the end of April. Uh, I would imagine I have to go look it all up. But suffice it to say, I'll be looking for the new the new moon following the, the equinox, which is next Saturday, and then counting 14 days forward. So...
3: Yeah, you know, just to make one last comment on the calendar and why people who are tuning in that might not be keeping the calendar, why this is so important to us is there's such a prophetic significance to the time of Passover, Mm -hmm. especially in relation to end time scenarios and and things that might kick off. So even if we aren't keeping the same exact calculations, I I guarantee you I'm going to be paying attention to, you know, the news whenever Juan's. You know Passover's happening, <laughs> or when Rob's Passover's happening, and yeah. and the reason this is is because we Yeshua tells us that as in the days of Noah, and like ending also the days of Sodom and Gomorrah's destruction to the coming of the Son of Man, right? Mm-hmm. And um, we also have you know he he comes like a thief in the night for those who are not watching for him, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, Noah, when he and the 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 time frame of the flood getting kickstarted and the fountains of the deep breaking off um it uh it, it is tied to the springtime the passover season and uh, mm-hmm. it was in the second month on the 17th day that the ark lifted up off the earth so you can imagine that a lot of the the terrible you know world calamity events were happening you know leading up into that point mm-hmm. um and the reason he kept uh, you know th- there's likelihood that he was keeping a second passover noah because i i fully believe these moadim go all the way back to the garden of eden is that he his father, uh, or no no his grandfather died, and so you can't keep Passover if you've touched a dead body, because mm-hmm. you're considered unclean. So he would have been keeping a second Passover in the accordance of why you would even want to keep a second Passover if you yeah. were unclean. And not only that, but there is evidence that um, when the angels came to Sodom and Gomorrah, that Lot fed them unleavened bread. Which is synonymous with the language of the Passover season. So, mm-hmm. regardless of what your calculation is, it's important mm-hmm. because there's a coming time that these moedim point to that we're all trying to be prepared for and be looking up, and uh, and that's what you know he says when all these things come upon you, look up, your redemption draws nigh. Right. Well, I don't know about you guys, but there's crazy things happening in the world today. Like, I don't know if you've looked into like the the stuff going on in Israel with the vaccine, but people mm-hmm. aren't. Mm, They're basically saying you can't buy or sell or go into certain places. If you don't have the vaccine, you know, if that's not the mark of the beast, it's definitely a precursor of what is coming. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. It's all kicking off, you know, leading up into these days of Passover. So, um, you know, that's why it's so important for us, and I just wanted to throw that out there for anybody who's watching that is like, what are these loons you know, yeah. talking about keeping all these different calculations and Passover? What, what's the point? Well, it's because there's significance uh, in, in the prophetic sense.
0: Yeah, for sure. Amen. Yeah. Uh, I just looked real quick uh, on the Virtual House Church uh, on Kevin and Amanda's because I'm pretty sure that they, uh, they understand the, the same way that I just described it, and uh, so I clicked on it. Uh, and this is their PDF and sure enough they have they they have the new moon following the spring equinox happening on the 13th of April on the Gregorian calendar the evening of the 13th so the so the passover most likely that I'll be doing uh, then falls on the 27th of uh, the of April in the Gregorian calendar so um so I, I know that there was I saw in, in um on uh on discord that there were people kind of confused and freaking out and wondering what the deal is because there's you know uh, which one do we do there's so many different calendars and you know i saw in the virtual house church that it says april 27th but you guys are talking about this talk about that what do we do what do we do well that's why i wanted to continue this dialogue here on this week's um virtual house church is to kind of explain why the differences and stuff like that so um while i'm thinking about it here and mentioning that I just pulled up the Discord server, so let me share the link uh, in the chat room. If you would like to continue the discussion, there's the link for our Virtual House Church Discord server. Um, and as you see on the screen, there are different channels you can uh, jump into. There's the general conversation, there's uh, Hebrew learning, there's Hebrew or biblical cosmology. If you have prayer needs, you have the prayer closet, you have a, a whole channel dedicated to issues of Paul. Dietary discussions, uh and Torah singles, people who are singles there and if you go down the bottom of the voice channels, you can get in there and actually have uh conversations with people, and actually physically talk with people. Uh, you know, if you've got a webcam on your computer or what have you. So uh, all those resources are available to you there to continue the dialogue, continue the discussion. Um, but like I said, um, this the this calendar right here is probably the one that I'm going to be Because it's the one that I still have some understanding of, so I, you know, do what you know, (laughs) you know. So that'll be what you know for for me uh, there. But uh, I'm not condemning anybody who's not on that page. I'm not telling you that we are that I'm right or that Juan Carlos or Jake is right. You know, we all have our different views, as you heard us talking about there. So you know, you guys are going to have to do your own study, come to your own convictions. This is not something we should be fighting about. You know, yes, we have strong, you know, and passionate convictions. That's great. But this is not something to be dividing over and claiming somebody's a heretic because they don't do it the same way. Look, we're all doing the best we can. You know, we're, we're trying here. So uh, that's my take on that. All right. You guys uh, ready to take us out on the ironic blessing?
2: Yes, let's do sure. it.
0: All right. Go for it.
2: Here, here we go. Yvarejja y jugada beige mereja. Yaer ya jugada pana peleja, vi juneca. Isa ya jugada pana Yasem deja Shalom. Yahuá jugada bendiga y te guarde. Ya jugada agarresplandecer su rostro sobre ti y tenga de ti misericordia. Ya alce sobre ti tu rostro, su rostro y te dé paz. Amen.
0: That's Hebrew and Spanish and Jake will give us the English.
3: Yahuwah bless thee and keep thee. Yahuwah make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. Yahuwah lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them.
0: Amen. And with that, we'll say Shabbat Shalom, everybody. We'll welcome you back to the Virtual House Church next week, same time. You guys going to be good for next week also? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yes alright awesome so when we say Shabbat Shalom Shabbat is the Hebrew word for Sabbath and Shalom is the Hebrew word for peace so we're wishing you a peaceful Sabbath Shabbat Shalom everybody
2: Shabbat Shalom